beginnings of our investi investigations last week were not the most fruitious things that anyone has ever done, ever. I mean, there's probably you been you investigations. You gotta find all the pieces first. Yeah, you, you can't start, start putting, putting the, the puzzle together when you don't even have all of the pieces yet. And it's entirely possible at the moment you actually have zero of the pieces. And you are just sitting there looking at weird little whirls and knots in a wooden table trying to figure out how they're supposed to align. But we made some progress. We also met with a crazy lady who, uh, exists. I'm not entirely sure how useful that particular encounter was. But she seems like she knows a little bit of something. I mean, she's got lead-lined walls in her house, kind of. <laughs> she's, she tries. She tries really hard. She probably owns at least three tinfoil hats. It, tin, tinfoil probably exists on Galarian. Yeah, sure. Tin's not a difficult thing to create. That's a that's an incredibly simple metal. So. Well, tinfoil itself might be a little harder. That's just tin, but thin. Yeah, but I was it's I was going to try to say. Thin. Yeah. You just gotta hit it a lot until no, they, it's really they, thin. Well, they would have sheets, but I don't think they'd have like tin foil. You like just take have. the sheets and you hit them harder to make it thinner sheets. It's easy. Come on, don't you play? We have magic, dude. If, Come on. I was about to say, you had to spell fabricate. <laughs> you just cast tin foil on your don't, weird brown rocks and then wrap it around a potato and throw it in a fire. Though. Problem solved. Or wrap it around your head, and then you're immune to mind control, or whatever it is that this insane lady spoke of. But she seemed pretty convinced that whatever, what was her word, secret masters? Maybe at work here in Yonmas, but the, the Twilight's children, our local cult friends, may have known some more about them. It's also something worse than Rogue, Rovago going the way, so... Rovago so, I mean, was the... May uh, as well throw in the towel now. <laughs> just... Well... This is above our heads. Nothing matters anymore. Hmm. Robocog's just the harbinger of something that's apparently <laughs> worse than Robocog. So we're kind of taking what she says with a, yeah, it's like huge pile Quarry of salt. Of salt. Yeah, an entire salt mine. A salt elemental, perhaps. Don't you dare bring that <laughs> up him. again. Mm, a salt singularity, even. Oh, you guys. Oh. <laughs> making Ooh. me salty. That's okay, uh, those are uh, old, old bad memories. That's, that's, oh, yeah. Yeah, those are those are some flashback references. <laughs> I think. I think was that the first character you ever lost in one of my campaigns? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was. I had hype behind it too. It was. You know. He put so much work and so much. I mean, you see, the heart and soul that these people put into their characters, and how hard Shenmue goes on building them up. I think that was his first. It, well, it's not like you, you've. For the most part, up to then you'd only played games with me, so that was your first tabletop character loss. Yeah, it was it was, was it was bad. Assault me fit. <laughs> Artemisia Manfield will be missed. Doing salt <laughs> things. Yeah. But that is neither here nor there. This is a different time, this is a different place, this is a different the shackles and pirate shenanigans. And now we're doing weirdly kind of similar things, but it's okay <laughs> because it's, you know, Nobles. In, in the name of a princess. So, yeah, yeah, which is definitely better Sanctioned. than a, a pirate king. <laughs> the difference between a pirate and a privateer. Sanctioned. There we go. We're privateers now. We're privateers now. But you ended up investigating <laughs> that restaurant. Uh, the two of you, Baylor <laughs> and Kahina. It was so good. It was a pretty good racket. Nell, you are 
unconscious in your apartment trying to recover from the... Pretty sure I drank a good quarter gallon of one of my ales and just passed out for the night. Sounds good to me. And Dara and Inori, last we heard, were passing the afternoon trying to find some amount of information. Oh no. No, it's not turned on this scene. There you go. Trying to find some amount of information about, well, any of these leads. And bumped into Tejar. Who, to his credit, did lead with an apology and buying you a drink. Which immediately went into significantly more and harder drinks than you were anticipating that afternoon because Tatar's drinking habits don't seem to have changed since his days in the military. And we cut out right there as you and he were less discussing and more sitting in general proximity of each other while drinking. And Inori and his two cohorts are also there. Just yeah. doing their business. Uh, similar to him, the dwarven woman he's with that's wearing her uh, plate mail armor to a bar does not appear in any not way... that's surprising because this place kind of is like a little bit on the dangerous side. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you guys are also kind of in the bucket of just wearing at least your breastplate or chain shirts pretty yeah, much. I think I'm actually point. fully armed right now. Uh, and so is she. As she has a kind of fairly grimy and dirty set of uh, banded mail and a really large greatsword strapped across her back, the tip of which about touches the floor from the bar stool she's sitting, she's sitting on. And you're not sure if it's just a truly massive greatsword or it's just the fact that she's a dwarf so it looks way bigger on her because she definitely did not get a smaller version. And, uh... The other one. Not a halfling great sword. Yeah, that's just a regular sword, but a halfling holds it. Is <laughs> what is how that works. And then her, uh, the other one of his associates that had bothered to introduce herself, Embla Hightoon, much more impeccably dressed than the pair of them, not appearing to uh, wear any of her armor or anything, just in her usual clothes. And if she has any kind of a weapon, it's concealed and she's just sitting there and again the aforementioned tri-cornered feathered hat having a grand time just drinking seemingly perfectly pleased with herself how long do you stay there the two of you i don't know like uh what do you think like an hour or something I know, that's entirely on you. It was it was getting to evening when you arrived Well, no, there. I, I, I was talking to Minori. Well, oh, okay. Fair enough. He's, he's not a very talkative <laughs> sort, but... Uh... <laughs> we really need to, like, have a discussion about where your microphone lives and rubbing things on it. <laughs> Which I feel like we have had. <laughs> My eyes anyway. are itchy. There's pollen everywhere. <laughs> Pollen. Anyway, um, after I an think... hour, he would show no signs of any intentions of going anywhere. And again, he's not the most talkative sort. And by that, I mean, without your initiation, he will do really nothing more than order more drinks and grunt. That's about all he's got in his repertoire, it seems. Well, I, mean, I guess when ever they just quiet down and sit there and just start sipping on their drinks awkwardly. Nori gets that awkward 
feeling and has to like say something like she does. So I'm going to say in Dwarven to the Dwarven girl, ask her what she's drinking because I'm empty. <laughs> so you're gonna you're gonna talk. Uh, are you still sitting? On... I'm next to Dara, but like away from them. Okay, because they're outside the bar, and there's Tachar and Dara and Dwarves in the middle. So you, you getting up and walking over, you saying this like over, over the uh, the pair of them here. I, well, I envision just saying it from where I was sitting over the pair of them as they sit there awkwardly. So you're just gonna make, it, make kind of make your intentions clear here. Just talk directly past the people who seem perfectly set on completely ignoring you. I mean, fair's yep. fair. I, I'll ignore them. And you say you know Torvin? Yes. That's kind of surprising. Uh, it's there. You just sort of. <laughs> turns and looks up at you the weird look on her face like she doesn't really know what to make of this and looks at Tachar who's still just looking straight forward sitting there with his, cu with his cup of whiskey and Tachar just grunts back at you and Dwarven something you couldn't handle I'm sure Oh, darn, mm. do you speak Dwarven? <laughs> I will. She's just, I'm just sort of taken aback. Like, you, you don't think I can handle it? I've been sitting here drinking with these guys all day. <laughs> now I can't handle some Dwarven ale? Come on. Is it still in Dwarven, or are you saying this in common now? Oh, that's Dwarven. <laughs> dwarven back to him. And then from the, from even further down here, Embla's going to pitch in, also in Dwarven. God damn it, I don't know any dwarven. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, this is immediately transitioned to another language you don't know at all. And dwarven is, is pretty low, uh, kind of like a guttural language. Mm -hmm. So it, it almost sounds like just measured grunting at each other. And it sounds really weird coming out of this taller, very petite woman who seems to be more interested in fashion than hanging out with these two grimy idiots that she hangs out with. That's interesting. Didn't strike me as the sort that pick up the language. You've been to the Five Kings Mountains, not to the Eastern Mines. Haven't been. And Tejer just waves his hand. No one here caring about this history. I know enough to make a sentence. Certainly anyone can. Amboy just kind of shrugs. And the uh, dwarven girl raps on the counter. Then uh, waits expectantly, kind of looking up. But at this point, the bar's gotten kind of busy, so it's it's taken a minute to, to get things. It's not super fast anymore. Left the bartender comes around to her again. Puts up just two fingers and nods to her cup. And she speaks up again in Dwarven. Well, you're about to find out. Oh, okay. I'll uh, I'll pay for the drink, whatever she whatever it is. <laughs> Dara's still sitting here like. <laughs> I'm like, hmm. I have no I have no idea what this is about to be. I don't know if I've ever had 
whatever this drink is. <laughs> to but be you fair, know, there hasn't been much conversation going the entire time, Dara. It's just not. It's not like yeah, you've I'm been super involved yeah, in this. Like, but now there just yeah. is a conversation that you are very much not a part of because it's in a language <laughs> yeah. you don't speak. It's, like the, it's the same, basically. But it's a common enough language that you can you can identify Dwarven. Like, you, you yeah. know that they're speaking Dwarven, just like you don't have to speak Spanish to tell some people are probably speaking Spanish. You can identify the language. You just don't know really any Dwarven at all. Yeah. So, after that, Teichar kind of nods back to you, Dara. And in common, not picked up any Dwarven. Uh, no, I do not... I do not have the tongue for it. Never came easy to me. That's a rough one. But, like enough to my way of speaking, it fit well. I picked it up making this group, honestly. A lot of good, quick learner. Good mercenary blood lives outside of the normal Talton lines. Got a bunch of pretty boys like your friend back at the, uh, up on the hill thinking that just because they picked up a sword once to know what they're about. You familiar with Gorum? If I remember correctly, he prayed to some Osirian god. Ma'at, was it? Yes, that is correct. Do you know enough about, uh, enough about Gorum at all? Do I? Should I make an knowledge religion check? Uh, do you have knowledge religion at all? Uh, because you, you can roll it even if you don't have ranks in it. It's just you untrained you can get at most a 10. And like knowing okay. who Gorum is is probably a 10. So if you don't have any ranks in it, you can just roll I don't have any ranks, but I can just roll it. You can just flat roll me a d20 and I got to put my back on this one too. Oh. And eight. so with an 8, you've probably, still even with an 8, I'm sure you've heard of it. It's common enough. But... You don't know much about it beyond it's the god of war, to your understanding. Ah, yes. I have heard of it, but I do not know much. And the uh, dwarf speaks up again. It's how we'd like it, truth be told. Not one for shows of faith and churches and worships. One for action. The life of a mercenary is one that calls to him. Mercenaries and soldiers, but... Where do people you nowadays do a whole lot of work to stay out of wars as much as they can. I've been a soldier myself, no. Why? Contagious just kind of grins and laughs. And takes another sip of his, uh, his whiskey. You got an awful lot of questions. I have actually only asked one, but... One's plenty. You've asked more than I have. They start just laughs again. <laughs> it grows on you. Well, slowly. Mm. She just kind of scoffs. Well, friends for the conversation, Tachar. This is, is, uh, is cup to that eye. Friends for the coin. Like, clink. And he takes a drink and she's puts her mug up. I still ain't got a refill yet! He's yelling out across the bar. 
so what exactly will you two be drinking? Do I have to get ready for to get a body bag for my friend here? The dwarf just kind of just shakes icy her head. stare <laughs> through Doron's who's, who's, saying that. Whose name you still have not even gotten out of her. Just shakes her head and Embla laughs again. Oh, please, it's hardly anything. If you can suffer the taste, you can suffer the effects, I'm sure. This dwarven slog is more tar than a good ale. I'm surprised you took that lying down, Anori. You'd really like this girl. She has quite the geek. And Tejar just smiles again. I'm starting to remember what I like, dude, Nora. At this, the bartender finally comes by with what looks like a clay pot. Oh. Uh, a fired, <laughs> blackened, just urn. That's about a foot and a half tall. It's pretty large. And he, pull, he pulls out another one of the big, thick uh, glasses that, uh, like the dwarf had, puts on the table uh, a pair of them. And these glasses that the dwarf's drinking out of are not clear. They're not clear glass. You can't see through them. Uh, they're like a solid opaque, almost black. Like, uh, uh, almost like they're stone carved. But what comes out of this mug looks, in fact, like tar. Oh. It is a it's a very, very <laughs> thick syrup. Uh, a deep, dark brown that you can swear as it's pouring out looks like it has chunks in it, like spoiled milk. And, uh... He pours out two cups, slides them over to the dwarf. The dwarf takes one, slides it over to you, and then goes back to looking forward and takes a big old gulp. Not a sipper, this one. Just, I'm taking a gander at this thing. It it literally looks like lumpy tars, which you're telling me. Uh, pretty much, yeah. It, it's it, it looks like something that is too thick, really, to be a proper drink. Like, I'm sure you can drink it as you are about to, but uh. it's it looks more like it's something that should be thinned, perhaps. But she's definitely just down in it. All right, well. I'm going to lean over to Tetrar and just look over and... Well, looks delicious. She's going to say through her teeth, snap <laughs> her fingers. To, let's, let's make it a little bit more exciting. And I got my... Uh, four balls of uh, dancing lights above my head as I just down this thing. Yes, dancing lights! To float above my head as I chug this, this giant beard just for out of the effect. So you cast uh, dancing lights and these four uh, lights pop above your head. And you hear from across the bar, Hey! No magic in the tavern! Sorry! Sorry! And roll me... Roll for D100, my friend. This seems like the perfect opportunity for one of these. Oh no. You said that or a fortitude save. Yeah, well, it depends on I the don't D100. Think fortitude's gonna save you here. What am I rolling? Fortitude? Just a D100. <laughs> oh, a D100. Oh, that's not a good. A luck die. Are we gonna see our first one? We've almost seen 100. We've we seen two. Ooh, that's good. Woo! 77. That is a, Lucky. Uh, a 77 is, in fact, pretty good. So as you drink it, it doesn't taste anything like you expect, but it's not 
awful. It's just something that you have never considered the potential to be the flavor of a drink. Honestly, it's it's weirdly salty. It almost kind of tastes like sardines. Oh. Is the best uh, thing I can liken this to. Just wipe it from her mouth and just look back at the dwarf and be like, tasty. And she kind of shrugs a bit. Name's Holga. Minori. Nice to meet you. Holga. Back to drinking. She can also take a punch pretty well. But you have to watch out for the sword. It's, uh, it's, uh, she is pretty, pretty good maneuvers, you know. You know what I'm saying. And so I'm going to say for you guys, just on your uh, page that has Tachar, he's the only one that has an actual journal entry, so you can just put any notes you have for his whole group on Tachar's okay. little panel if you want to keep everything in there. But she has no response to that. And beyond that, the oh, group no, returns to Oh, what'd you say, Tachar? Uh... I was looking at the journal, sorry. I was trying to find if there was anything else for the rest of them. Uh, I just told him that uh, <coughs> I know where I can take a punch <laughs> and is pretty good with a sword <laughs> and has pretty good maneuvers, if you know what I'm saying. You're watching my maneuvers, Dara. He kind of shrugs, but not surprised. You can't surround yourself with useless sorts, not in this kind of work. As far as I can tell, you've mostly taken up the same mantle we have. May not call Some yourself mercenaries, but that's basically what you're doing, isn't it? Looks at better. It is what it is. Do what we got to to survive and what we got to to make coin. But said she looks a careful sort to me. A wizard. This is a cross of Nori. Never seen a wizard burn a sword. No, it's kind of a, a unique style. I prefer the term Magus myself. Sword, polished swordsmanship on top of magic incantations and such. Seamlessly integrated in combat. So you're a wizard. I'm taking this up. It's not. <laughs> Actually, yeah, wizard. That's right. It's the magic stuff, you know. And he uh, points down at your waist. You're magic. You got a magic book. You're a wizard. I guess that's a uh, a layman's way of looking at things. Sure. And, uh, Slightly em more complicated than that. Embla calls out. There's more types of magic than just wizardry. Rami, you know, we, we've been over this. Uh, Tachar just grits his teeth and takes out a drink. And she looks at and says, I've never met one who've, who trained as you had, but I've heard tales of the sort of battle. Weaving spells and sword together is one. It's an interesting lot. Yeah, I've been training that way since as long as I can remember, in fact. Little girl with a sword. Always mind if I found myself called more to the performative sorts of magic. You can get a lot more done with them. It's more than just fire and explosions and throwing lightning around with your knives. Oh, you so see, you kind of weave a performance in your in your combat. You enrapture minds. You can do so much more with that. Hmm. There's so many situations in any line of work that can be getting through by just making people 
come around to your way of thinking more than having to raise an arm. That's gotten Grammy out of more than one difficult situation. Even here oh, done this so far. And Tetris is absolutely nothing to this. <laughs> <laughs> but Holga is now a mist. <laughs> but with that, you spend the rest of, again, the how long here hanging out drinking with uh, Tetris and the bros? Uh, I guess the sisters, because both of them are uh, Tetris the only bro. I would, I, I think that dwarf's a bro. Few hours. <laughs> dwarf gets an honorary bro. Yeah, they so, warmed up. We could spend a little bit of time with them. I mean, they're still not going to be horribly talkative, but they are at least social. <laughs> well, that's a strong word. If you yeah. talk to them, they will at least as often as not reply to you, rather than just completely ignore you. Now, so that's a good success. That's a fair enough success there. And at the end of an evening. You may not really, any of you, have made any great progress in your investigations into Yonmas. You got to uh, catch up with Techar and the Cousin Bravos, as he's now called his group. Baylor and Kahina got to look into Savories, and Nell got to get over being fatigued and miserable. <laughs> and the group of you re-meet uh, back at night at your apartment. And now at this point, still probably not feeling super fantastic, but is at the very least awake. And I imagine we can just assume you catch him up on the various goings of the day as you probably tell each other what you've discovered. Which is precious, precious little. And with that, is there anything else of use today, really? Other than nightfall, when we were gonna go find a cult. Uh, d oh, did you want to? Do you want to go find the cult at night? Yeah, that's what Crazy Lady told us to do. Oh, at twilight, right, right. and when the sun sets, at twilight, you... go find the cult. Do we want to meet them at night, though? Is the thing. Yeah, you. you I want to meet them. You would definitely be back together before dusk because it would have been the afternoon when you split up from the crazy lady's house and you went to Savory's and you were there for maybe an hour or two at the bar for a couple of hours. It is late afternoon getting to evening when you would all reconvene. So we're going to head back out into Yonmas. That's the plan. We're going to head back out into Yonmas and go find the cult. How much do you think mint would cost? Mint? I can't find a price for it. How much mint do you want? Just like a like a bundle with some A couple coppers probably. It's a pretty common herb. Okay. That's it. Yeah, it'd be like negligible to you guys, I'm sure. Very small amount. It'd be a few copper for a bundle of mint. And it'd be easily, easily available in, in Yanmas. So, Hell, you feeling was... well enough to go check out a cult? Not at all, but I can walk. No fear this man has. So, that's today's plan then. That's the, the next wing of our adventure. So, the group of you, after you all reconvene and do you, you do share your discoveries? You tell them, uh, Baylor and Kina, about savories and the possibly world's most glorious con that they have going on behind the scenes there? <laughs> it ain't and a bad one. Darren and Nori share that you haven't discovered a whole lot, but you at least met up with Tachar again and have come to a... There's apparently a man in a mask somewhere. I don't oh, know. yeah, you did he hear about the... Yeah, the vigilante. The weird vigilante, because you guys definitely need more crazy vigilantes. In Do your we life. have a new Night Swan? It sounds... <laughs> maybe. Uh, it sounds maybe, yeah. 
Or an old one that relocated? That got old and bald, but yes. Yeah, sure. Not impossible. The cat mask. Uh, they said it was red, but I, uh, I'm not sure. Red bird mask. Bird mask, yes, that's it. So, Nell, you are still very much fatigued, but that, of course, does not stop you from investigating cult-related activities. So when are you all just planning on heading out? Like, right after you reconvene late afternoon before sundown? Yeah, sure. So you head back out into town. Let me bring Probably us Probably still over. buzzing. Let me bring yeah. us We're over. feeling good, me and Nori. Yeah. I would the, say uh, that we're weighted down by all the food we ate at Savory. We, we, we've had the greatest meal we've ever experienced in our life. <laughs> <laughs> Me, meanwhile, they get back out in town. Meanwhile, Kahina and uh, me and Baylor are just like running around and picking up like food stores, like stopping at food stalls going, yeah, let me get a kebab <laughs> or something because we're still hungry. So what is your what is your plan here? How are you going to go about... Again, it's not going to be terribly hard to find the cult, but you were just going to go out in the late afternoon and just kind of do the There's general like a crowded diplomacy area and we're gather like, information. Does anybody know anything about a cult around here? <laughs> I've oh, heard I don't no. even have to do that. I'm sure they're... <laughs> Good Good evening, fellow. How much did you drink? Hello, fellow. Not very <laughs> much. Don't worry, darling. I haven't had that much. Don't worry. So, darling. Darling. Wow. <laughs> He's very drunk. So very he had drunk. a lot of whiskey. So <laughs> how uh, much did you let him drink? What? I'm supposed to be watching him now. I mean, apparently. He's supposed to be a grown man, not a a, a Nell man child. Cult. <laughs> Cult. Is there any cults oh around my. here? Just somebody, like please. Around. I'm going to run up and put my hand over Dara's <laughs> mouth and be like, would you shut up? Maybe we should wait till tomorrow till Dara's not in town. I was about, to say, I was about to say, are you Nell? Do we call you Nell now? No, I'm Dara. That's Nell over there. Do I need I'm to take her okay. cross, though? God, no. Okay. The no. people could attack us. All right. It's. It's going to be okay. Why At least give Nell the spear back. Yeah. Why don't you give oh, Nell the spear back? And when you, when you did you take the spear? While you, While were, you were unconscious. Yeah, you were definitely unconscious. And she, uh, she borrowed that borrowed that spear. We, we went the... looking for a, for a demon goat. Didn't go great. But anyway. Perhaps we'll find them tonight. Maybe so. It is not difficult, as we discussed, to locate the cult that is kind of their entire job. And anywhere you go in town, this is like a negative 15 diplomacy check to gather information, and it takes like 1d4 seconds. It's, <laughs> it's the easiest thing ever. Because anywhere you go, anywhere you ask about the Twilight's children, the cult, an offshoot of Abadar, anything that could possibly lead back to this, you find what appear to be perfectly normal happy people uh, going about their daily business in taverns and restaurants in the streets, uh, merchants, traders, just citizens that live here, guards even, that are more than happy to tell you what uh, everything you want to know, really. And the uh, first of those that they're going to let you in on, because the first thing that they're, they're gonna lead you to is an invitation. 
an invitation to join their services. And any of these people will quickly and very excitedly tell you that their daily sermons are held at dusk every weekday in the encircling bower up here on the northern end of town. So you're telling us there are perfectly happy, normal people in this day and age. Something's wrong. And they will gladly give you directions to go to the place. Some of them will tell you that the Twilight children have not had a ton of time. Uh, they haven't been in town terribly long. And the encircling bower was an old and rundown, fairly abandoned building before they started taking it over. So disregard the state of the building because it has already come leaps and bounds in the weeks that the Twilight's children have been here renovating the place, but it is a process. Do not be put off by its outward appearances. What did you want to know? We want to know about the cult. We want to know all about the cult. Everything about the cult. Everything. We know Curiosity more than anything else. We're well, rather new in town. It's certainly going to be easiest for you to experience the services for yourself. All are welcome. Any who wish to experience the, the healing power of the Twilight's children, or even just wish for a moment of clarity or peace in their busy lives, they welcome all into their embrace. Peace and meditation, a moment to meditate, does sound very useful with all the overwhelming stimulus of this very large city. It's very much a part of my day that I look forward to. And this is just random, Citizen 37B. It's very much a part of my day that I look forward to now. Uh, getting off work, heading home to my family and a warm meal, and if it's been a particularly stressful day, the evening sermons. And they're perfectly good and healthy, and, but still a, a true treat to observe. They've put so much effort into their performances now, and they've just been getting better and better by the week. They... That may seem fairly standard at first, but they're, they're really for the good of Dionmas. They're about community, uh, togetherness. Uh, just nothing about the, uh, the meat of them, I suppose, is truly out of the norm of the teachings of the Church of Abadar, but it's really just the, the presentation, the outreach that they do. They've been so involved in helping out in any way they can in the community ever since they've arrived. So what kind of performance are we talking about here? It just has to be experienced, really. I mean, mm. you know the the healer, right? The Risen Prince? Ah, I do. I do not. Who is I it? I do not either. The Twilight Child. I... Oh. Uh, the name. That doesn't Have explain it... anything to me, actually. Ah, oh, well... This one's a bit of a heathen. You might need to be dumb it no, down. No, no, no. It is, it, is it is understandable. It's, it, it, there are new developments. And uh, this following of Twilight Child and the Risen Prince himself is is new. It's something that many of us in Yanma still have been growing to appreciate. But it's the Prince Carius. You say that Carius? like I should know. Make me a knowledge history. I'm gonna just say Baylor because yeah. certainly nobody else's is relevant. <laughs> I mean, other people can roll it too. I have one in knowledge history. Oh, you can roll one then. 
Well, good luck. <laughs> you, know, you, you I got a 32, and Dara got a 2. Taylor rolled a natural 20, and Dara rolled a natural 1. Oh, so, man. Like, we gotta keep our RNG balanced. It is balanced, all right. Balance in all things. Oh boy, it that's, is Avatar. That's pretty amazing. Um, and <laughs> so the response to this would would largely be Dara be like, "Who the hell is Prince Carries? No Prince." Mm -hmm. And Baylor, this name would be familiar to you. He'd go on for 20 minutes about it. Yeah, no, not really. It's not a ton of information, but you know who it is. I mean, you know who it is. It's Stavian III's son. He has Wait. a son. As in, your Tropia's... a son. So he... known to have died at when? Like birth, maybe? He died young. young. Um, he was only about... 10, 12 years old when he died in a riding accident. Huh, okay. And for whatever reason, his soul would not return to his body. Because you cannot force, like, raise dead and resurrection spells on somebody. I remember hearing this. The soul has to be willing to return. And the child, for whatever he had found in the afterlife, did not want to come back to the material plane. So he was lost. And this has has been very largely just kind of swept under the rug because it's a bit of a, well, kind of a sore subject. And it's not something that it's really common knowledge as much as it should be. Uh, because even though that wasn't that long ago, that wasn't that many years ago, it's something that many people were alive for today because Prince Carius would only be in his early 20s if he was still alive. So plenty of people were alive when Prince Carius was a thing, mm -hmm. but he just doesn't come up anymore. So it's something people would have just entirely forgotten about, and it would have almost completely fallen out of common knowledge by this point that he even existed. So this, given the entire reason that you are here, and you know... The War for the Crown is a fairly interesting claim, I would say. Because were Prince Carius alive, it's about a DC-1 knowledge nobility check to know that he is the rightful heir to the throne. Prince Carius Stavian? Yes. Of course. The, uh, the Emperor's son who passed away so many years ago. He's come back and now heals the poor and sick. I thought that was the whole problem is he didn't want to come back. They couldn't raise him. Well, best any of us can understand, it's a miracle. But he's been using his powers to support the community. Do whatever he can for any who attend these services. True... Really, there's there's nothing I can tell you that will match the experience of meeting the Risen Prince for yourself. I... You have to attend one of the services. Totally you believe you. This, this, this certainly does sound like something that would have to be seen. Yeah. 
Out of curiosity, well, you follow the teachings of Abadar, although altered to an extent. Do you have clerics of Abadar? You ask this to a random peasant? Like, I'm, if they go to the services and whatnot, they would know. He's saying clerics. that the the oh, do the do the does the cult have clerics? So does the of cult yeah. follow Abadar? I. I, I suppose I assume so. That the teachings are similar enough. It's less a directly religious and deific sort of experience, uh, more than it is one of a community and togetherness and raising each other up, so to speak. Fair enough. I thank you for letting us know. I do believe we'll be seeing this you won't regret this Valor. experience I assure you it'll change your life I guarantee it will so that's a thing <coughs> what could be more appealing to a entire nation that is currently embroiled in political war then suddenly an undeniable heir an undeniable heir not only an undeniable heir but an undeniable heir risen from the dead who speaks and preaches of togetherness and community but isn't that kind of a conflict of interest for us being that we're with utropia well, obviously, this would be uh, Baylor can tell you I'm, from his knowledge check. This would be Utropia's little brother. It is directly her little brother. Right, but, but like in turn, like his. I mean, if if he was brought out as a a, a contender, even in ghost form, that kind of screws her. Is my, what I'm trying to say. Well, yeah, I, I was just. I'm not like weighing in on that. I'm just saying that's the oh, relation. Okay. It's not like a half brother. Well, or anything. it's her full blood. I brother. mean, as far as the crown goes and whatnot, the fact. I think, or I feel, that Utropia would, at this point, considering this, be less upset about a contender for the crown versus the fact that someone is parading her dead little brother around. Possibly falsely. I could understand where somebody basically making a mockery of your family or somebody who has found a way to bring your dead relatives back and using them as pawns would be slightly more upsetting than any challenge for the crown. It could be a fake that is just a grab for control of the nation. Or it could be something far more sinister. Yeah, It could somehow be real and if that's true... The how is more important than anything else. At mm-hmm. the so we have to go to this performance and figure out what's going on. We need and to. You, as and you say I that would. here in your head, we absolutely do. And I would feel so, like I'm... after we see this, we <laughs> could send word to Eutropia and I'm going to uh, respond Martella. back to him with that. Uh, so... I am to assume at this point, you've been kind of quiet, my friend. I wanted to give you your space and such and 
not come out and straight up ask you, but judging by your mannerisms and stuff, are, is what they say is true? Are you a Lothied? Trapped That's in a sword? What really has to be among the least important things right now. Y you understand that we just found a cult claiming to band around what would be the only possible heir to the Primogen crown? And you want to know what my last name is? Well, it seems to be synonymous with the crown anymore and everybody we seem to come in contact with. You've met exactly one, I guess technically two, Lothids if you count the half-blood. Well, if you ever want to talk about it, when you're ready, I'll be around. <sighs> Look, girl. We need to see this service. If this is in any way not a farce, which to be fair, it probably is. This is exactly one power in existence that I'm aware of that can force a soul back into its body. And if the cult has it, that's where we're going. Dangerous weapon is what you're saying. Much, much worse than any weapon. All right, then. That settles it. We're absolutely going to have to check this. Well, you know they hold their services at dusk every weekday, and it is moon day, so it's a weekday. And it's not dusk yet, and you know where to find them now, so it could just go. I vote for going. Mm-hmm. I vote for going as well. Uh, I was never real... Yeah, we have to. We have to. And for what it matters, I will buy some mint on the way there. What's with the mint? Hey, I'm really There's... curious as to where this is going, but okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm straight up asking you, what's with the mint? You just bought like a pound of mint. Yeah, I actually, I bought like three whole bundles. You okay? You and... Put in your tea? Your beer? No, what do you no. Do? I have I have a reason for this. Trust me, you'll you'll love it. I I swear. I, I mean, there's not a whole lot that really gets me the excited. The fever dreams. The fever dreams gave me a fantastic idea. With mint. I am even more worried. I, I'm way more worried than I was a minute ago. <laughs> yeah, uh, okay. Anyway. Just leave him to his devices then. So you guys are, have now taken to walking around town fully armed and armored. I mean, that's something you are allowed to do. Nobody's going to stop you. After the first attempted stabbing, you guys are just wearing all your plate and everything around? Yeah, no, yeah nothing has not. changed about me. I am walking around and well, Obviously, I'm not talking to you. I don't actually look armored because I wear it underneath the clothes and it's just a trench coat. But I do have Yeah, but I mean, you, you can still tell you have a chain shirt on. Like, chances are bulky enough that you can still tell it's there. Mechanically uh, speaking, yeah. it has to be a mithril shirt to hide it under your clothes. Yeah, there are only specific well, things that Kiko are so small or thin that you can completely hide. But uh, it's not like super obvious, yeah, but if someone like looks at you, like looks at you, they can tell you have your armor on. So are you all heading to the encircling bower? 
Yeah. Yep. Yep. So Let's the five it. of you impro- uh, approach this building at the northern end of Yonmas. It's almost near the northern wall. And it's a pretty large circular almost it almost looks like a mini coliseum. Uh, the outside of it all brick arches and stone ornamental columns that were once probably really impressive but are now hardly visible under a huge jumble of grapevines, ivy, and rose. It's just overgrown the sides of this thing. The people you talked to weren't lying. This building was pretty abandoned and in a fairly high state of disrepair before the Twilight's children moved in, and it's it looks like it is going to be a project of months, if not years, to restore this building to its former glory. It's entirely possible that it being covered in ivy is the only thing that is still holding the building together. There is a flat gray stone marquee set between two entrances to the streets that reads in almost now worn and illegible texts, the encircling bower welcomes you into its embrace. Whole building is about 120 feet across, about 40 feet tall, so it's a very mini coliseum. It's a decently sized building, but it's not humongous by any means. Uh, and when are you getting here? Are you getting here like right before dusk, or are you coming to look at it? I'd say you could get there up to an hour beforehand if you wanted to. Or are you coming right at dusk? Probably good to show up early just to look around. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Probably as just you, head straight there. I mean, we're not doing anything else. At yeah, the as you arrive there about an hour before sunset, you can already see there is a decent amount of people kind of milling around outside. There's not far from a crowd. There's maybe eight to ten uh, people around just discussing pretty amicably uh, their various days or business interests or really just whatever's been going on in their lives. All these people here that seem to be pretty personable. Uh, both the doors are shut and they're here to be pretty heavy wood. And standing in front of each of them is a single dwarf. And the dwarf by each door is dressed in blue like sky blue robes uh with a wrapped almost like a turban perched on his head and there is a pattern along the outsides of his robes as they fall down around his body of overlapping white circles the two dwarves are standing in front of the doors just kind of looking around across the people passing in the streets. Clearly bouncers or ushers of some sort. Can I just do a general like perception of like just for the area? If there's anything other than just like good happy people around. Yeah, you can just roll your perception check, just look around. Twenty-eight. Just looking uh, around. With a twenty-eight as you're looking around the area, you don't see anything really out of the ordinary about the people that are around the building. Uh, most people walking through are still just p- passing by, going about their daily business. But the maybe eight to ten people that are lingering around the outside of the encircling bower are... They don't seem to have anything wrong with them. They just seem like happy, normal people. The one thing that you do notice is that both of the dwarves posted up by the doors are very intently scanning through the crowd. Uh, They're not 
just like a, a movie theater usher. This is very much a guard. And they look more than capable if for some reason their services were needed. Gotcha. Okay, so I guess we just wait around till it opens. Wanna, I mean, there's not, not a whole lot you can see from the outside, really. So, are you. Well, just... I tell you what I'm gonna do. Uh, I'm gonna take this gallon that I have with me of my Applejack cider, and I'm gonna go see if those dwarves wanna hang out while we wait for service. I doubt they're gonna wanna hang out with you. It looks like they're no. on the job. No, no. drinking is not the solution to every problem you come across. <laughs> it is a fantastic solution. You don't it know. It has worked many times. Are you going to physically stop Nell from approaching this dwarf with a gallon of cider? Nell, this might not be the best idea. I mean, we're going You're to... just an amiable man. We're going to service here in an it's hour. Right, if I just want to sit around and chat, what's wrong with that? Uh -oh. They're on duty. I mean, I can be the one drinking. On duty. Yeah, they don't have to drink with me. What happened in that bar, Dara? Uh -huh. Huh? <laughs> You're supposed to be on my side here with this. I don't see any harm in uh, just talking around. We're not. He gonna... wants to go drink with the dwarfs that are working. I want to drink. The dwarves can choose to drink. Listen, That's we're here thing. to watch and observe and see what's going on. We're not here to in cause any kind of... And we are <laughs> also trying to fly... Start walking that way. You guys... Oh my goodness. We're trying to fly under the radar. You don't we need... We are flying to... under the radar. We're coming to help. He says that over his shoulder as he's already yeah, walking we're going to help. Yeah, you guys I'm going go to look down around. at my full plate, clonking around through the streets, and I'm going to look back at Kahina... And I'm gonna ask, how is this under the radar? You do I'm literally look saying. like a friggin' knight. You're like down the street in full flight. <laughs> it's one thing to show up. Yes, yes, Darling, yes, yes. And, and go and They are walking away. So, Dara, <laughs> at this point, I'm, I'm, going I'm, I'm talking to Kahina. Like, I'm having and a. Dara walked off. Dara's so gone. Dara's going. Dara's by himself then. No, it's one thing to, to observe. And only slightly draw attention to ourselves because we have armor on. And at this point, there Dara are lots gets, of people. It gets about with within armor. five, ten feet of the door of the dwarf here. And the dwarf definitely has been looking at you since you started walking over. Puts up a hand. All right, that's close enough. No weapons and armor in the services. Ah, greetings. We're actually here. Uh, we're interested in what is happening here. We're new to town and we don't want to be ill prepared prepared for coming to your service. It starts in an, around an hour, right? Doors open 10 minutes before sundown. All are welcome to attend. No arms and armor. So if we have arms and armor, how, how do we, uh, should we go back to the, um... We can steal your weapons, but you're probably wanting to take the hour between now and then to change. Why are you? Ah. Very good. I will have to go tell my comrades. We do nods. not know our way around, and I appreciate the, uh, the help. Just nods. Meanwhile, in the background, Kahina and I are discussing still, the ins and outs of armor and disguises and being subtle, which I do not do. This, uh, the gentleman dwarf says that uh, we are not allowed to bring in armor or swords or weapons of any kind, so if we want to strip down here or to go back... 
at some point. Oh, I shit. think I will avoid entering the church this evening. <laughs> no armor? Pass. I don't go anywhere without my full plate. Are <laughs> uh, we going to leave you fatigued standing outside in heavy armor? <laughs> I'm not crazy about giving my stuff up, stuff up either. I mean, I could stay with him. <laughs> yeah, Anori and I can stay outside in case uh, something goes wrong, which I doubt would happen. But you guys can yell to we've us. We've already been attacked, so... I mean, I don't have a problem with leaving my chain shirt and my glaive with them. Yeah, I mean, yeah I you still have, you still have to sleep in many garments, so you can definitely, uh, you're perfectly fine with the, uh, without your chain shirt. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can, you can just still cover yourself perfectly fine, but what about the rest of you? As previously stated, wizard. Thank you, wizard. How about the rest yeah. of you? I will be <laughs> abstaining from the church services for this evening. Uh, I'm pretty interested in the church services, uh, so... <laughs> I will be waiting outside just in case, but I, I would rather not take off my armor again. That's fine. So who all does want to go to the church services? I know Nell doesn't. Is it everyone else that's willing to go in here? Ignore might not be either. That's what I'm asking. That's what I'm trying to figure out. <sighs> Who all wants to go? Search it up. I want to go, but I hate giving up my stuff all the time. Yeah, it's weird. It's like people don't want you to go murder hobo inside their establishment, so they sometimes don't let you bring swords and murder hoboing equipment with you. All right, I'm gonna. I'll leave my stuff with Nell. And I'll go. I'll go in. He'll be fine. But you'll be fine, right? You're you're a big boy. I need to see what's going on in this place. Where's the nearest tavern? Not far. That's that's I'm where sure you'll not find a challenge. Me. Like there, it's Yanmis. It's a large city. There are plenty of taverns. I, I mean, I'm going to put my hand on his shoulder and make eye contact with him. Look at me. The sword. You protect it with your life. Do you understand? Absolutely. I'll treat it like I do my own. He will put a string on it. Don't worry. <laughs> exactly. I have backups. Don't worry. Okay. So, Inori and Dara, you are wearing armor. So do I'm going to do a nice, nice shimmy maneuver. Are you literally just going to strip out of your chain shirts right here in the street? Because No, I'm going to have to do the you old... You definitely have time to walk home and put your <laughs> yeah. stuff away and walk back. You have an hour. You can certainly do that. You I'm going home to change. I ain't changed the street <laughs> like some animal. Oh. I suppose I'll be well, holding the sword, though. You yes. can also just leave the sword at home. That's entirely... You That's have true. plenty of time to go to your no. apartment and abandon the things you're not allowed to bring into the encircling power. Oh, but that's the thing. Do you want to leave it at home or do no. you want to leave it with somebody? Is with Nelf really better than unguarded? <sighs> Very technically. It's like... I mean, it makes it... Nell will start moving if something yeah. tries to take it from him. <laughs> will he be able to... I mean, do we have, like, a, uh, one of those... He has a string. I mean, come on. Will he be able to hold, like, weapons and armor and stuff? I could he very easily hold everyone's equipment. He does okay. have a lot of stuff. I didn't, I didn't want to, like... 
overburden you. All right, I'm going to find a dark alley or something. Because <laughs> my armor's underneath my shirt. I have to literally take my clothes off to take That's it off. That's why I was asking. Dark. You could walk to your home, the apartment that you have rented, yeah, or I right, guess strip we're... in the street like a I'm, weirdo. It's entirely I'm up to you. I'm going home to change. This low profile. I'm bringing the knife and the sword back with, and so Nell can hold on to him. Okay. So, but I'm bringing everything back. So no Zara cool. is just peeling his chain shirt off in the street. He doesn't care. He's like, well, so we can't make the chain shirt. I probably have an undershirt anyways. Who wears Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you have an undershirt. There's no, way, there's no way either of your bottom layers is your armor. That would be the worst, most uncomfortable thing <laughs> That would literally that be like, ugh. That would be horrible. Chafing of, yeah, at, yeah, at the exactly. very least, you're going to have like a, a padded Makes leather liner underneath it. <laughs> there, is, there is no way that your bottom layer is your chain shirt. But regardless... <laughs> This conversation has gone on far longer than it had any right to. <laughs> you go home, leave your things there. No, bring them back to give Br them out. You bring specifically your sword and your knife back. Am I right? And your arm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Inori, who at this point after her adventures has grown a huge internal distrust of door locks after the lock to the Betany estate seemed to have been actually worse than hiring a nanny to scold people in a disapproving trone that try to break in and do nothing further. Doesn't want to leave things unattended. I guess I can't really blame you for that at this point. Thank you. I mean, if you can't leave it behind the door, you just put it behind the wall and it's just as safe. Aha, exactly. That's why I'm giving it to the wall. And remember. And the group of you come back to the encircling bower. <laughs> approximately... A little under an hour later, as the sun is beginning to set. And uh, as you return to the building here, the doors have been opened. And people are slowly uh, starting to filter inside. You can see a warm light rolling out into the streets from inside, as well as a pleasant, almost sweet smell from the insides of the building. Well, shall we? Oh. I will talk to you all later. I'm going to that bar across the street. Well, well, you meet are you in the church district, so I guess the tavern is going to be a little bit away from here. Because now there would there would still be a, like a, a classier kind of bar here. Definitely drinking not like establishment. A, tavern, a drinking establishment, like the White Griffin kind of thing would be up here. So you can find a place. It's not maybe Nell Speed, but you can find a place to get a drink here. Regardless. As we're walking in, I'm going to say to CR, and as I'm walking away, keep an eye on him, all right? He's going to hear that exact snort laugh <laughs> come from CR, and that's all you're getting. So the four of you head inside. And the inside of, of the building, as you pass in through the entryway, the pair of dwarves are both standing right inside the double doors. Uh, they have a small weapon check, which appears to have a single longsword that someone has stowed for right now, and it's held that they're watching, and several coats they've taken from people. But since none of you, you all prepared for this, and nobody has anything they need to drop off, they just nod currently at you as you pass. And Are they, like, actively searching? Uh... They would not be... They're not, like, patting you down or anything. I, uh, I are you so. Are you trying to hide a knife? No, but, like... 
Because, like, they are looking. They're glancing you over. They're, like, sleight of hand versus a perception check if you're trying to smuggle something in, but they're not, like, patting you down or anything. Well, I, I'm just thinking, like, my rod. Would um, that be something that... They would, they would see that. Actually, if you're coming in in all of your usual gear, they would ask you for... Uh, they would see you, because you have that just out, right? You have that where you can just pull You can grab it for combat reasons. I mean, I, I, mean, I could belt. put it, like, further in a pocket or something. I'm, well, I mean, you do you a, have a bag of holding? You have a spell component pouch. You have a spell book. Do you have any of that stuff, like, visible on a belt or anything as you're coming in? That'd be a I, lot of stuff to hide. That's a, I mean, you have a bag of holding. If you like, Would you have thrown all that in a bag of holding before you came in? Because if not, they are going to ask you for wands, rods, and a new spell component pouch. I'd, I'd probably give my spell component pouch to Nell. Because that's something I'd expect. I'm not and everything else is in the sack of holding somewhere. Everything else is somewhere buried in the sack that they can't, they couldn't possibly see it without literally searching your bag. They're not doing like a bag check or anything. This is an airport security. This isn't the TSA. <laughs> They're just trying to make sure you're not walking in here with, I don't know, a friggin' greatsword covered in blood. That's that's pretty much the bar they're setting. But, uh, so you come in, you wouldn't have your spell component pouch then. Uh, same to you, Inori. Uh, if you have a spell component pouch on your belt, where would I'll hand that one over, casting? but I do have one sewn inside my trench coat that they that probably one obviously, uh, That one, they would not see. So uh, they would take the one, check it for you, and you'd head through the second set of double doors into a pretty large auditorium. The inside of the building seems to almost entirely be one large theater, uh, with three sections of rows of seats angling gently down towards a central stage about three quarters of the way back through the building, uh, where there is a wall separating the audience area from the the smaller rooms and preparation areas backstage. And the ceiling of this auditorium soars a solid 40 feet up above the floor. But the inside of this building has not fared much better than the outside. Uh, halfway up to the ceiling, 20 feet above the floor, there is a second row of seating, upper balconies. But they are in such a state of disrepair that the flooring has actually completely buckled and there are like boards and holes visible on the floor. There's nothing dangling like it's in immediate danger of falling on anybody, obviously, to have taken care of that. But the two sets of stairs that are inside the doors as you enter that would lead up to the second floor have just been simply roped off. Uh, roped off of the sign that says out of service but it's plainly obvious without that that the upper uh, levels are not really safe if. the round stage at the base of all the stairs has two aisles leading directly from each of the sets of doors down to two small sets of stairs on either side of it that lead up to the stage and then what appears to be backstage and these aisles have runners of very fresh, clearly new carpet. It very much stands out from most of the rest of the area. So it looks like, again, they have started renovating, but there is still much, much work to be done. There's probably two, three dozen people seated throughout the audience area here, and it looks like you could seat maybe a little, a little over a hundred total. And it's about five minutes before dusk and people are still trickling in. 
currently, other than the pair of dwarves at each entrance, as you can see as you enter, there's an uh, identical pair of dwarves at the other entrance doing the same kind of service. The only people visible are what look to be two members of the Twilight's children, two of the higher priests or whatever they call themselves, standing at the foot of each of the two staircases flanking the stage, just, just standing there kind of in the way making sure that nobody just wanders over there for some reason. Each of them is dressed very similarly to the dwarves, with a hooded blue robe embossed with overlapping white circles down all of the edging. The same sky blue color. Find seats. We Take should find down. some good seats. Make sure we can see everything. Stage and auditorium alike. How uh, close do you want to be? Because you got the central, there's three sections. The central section, right in front of the stage between the two doors, one on either side, obviously, and the rows of seats go from like the front row, almost directly in front of the stage, all the way to the back walls, nearly 80 feet back from the stage. It is a fairly mm. big area. I want to go fairly close. Close, but not, yeah, not too close. If you're right up on the, at the foot of a stage, you can't, Often you're looking up. You yeah, can't the stage really is raised everything. about four or five feet up, so you would be sitting like so this. So maybe like, yeah, you up on it constantly. like that the whole time. I would say somewhere probably like maybe seven, eight rows back from in the middle from the proscenium. I defer to your judgment, Kahina. Pick them out. And Ori, not knowing performer. what that she last word is. Yeah, you know, you know the best spots. <laughs> with, my, with my fancy theater... <laughs> the proscenium thrust. That's the type of stage this is. Oh my! Uh, <laughs> that's the real. That's the real theater knowledge coming out. That's what I went to college for. That is IRL bard skills. That is IRL bard skills. Hey, you got you perfectly in place to role play the bard. Then, so you all find seats uh, fairly nearby, and as you do, people are still trickling in, and the seats are starting to slowly fill as you go from a few dozen to 50, 60 people here sitting in the seats, ready to watch the night's sermons, or whatever it is that's going to happen here. Uh, about two minutes after you sit down, a woman steps out from uh, one of the tops of the two staircases from backstage out onto the stage with the same sky blue robes and a skull cap similar to what the dwarves had uh, worn, almost a weave turban. But she has a pale white veil over her entire face. She raises her hands gently and uh, friendly out towards the audience. And as she speaks, even though you can't really see her face, her smile comes through even in her voice. Welcome, all ye chosen, ye enlightened, and those who walk in the glory and grace of the Twilight Child. Please find seats so that our evening's worships can begin. And at this, any conversations or chatter that were going on throughout the fairly happy and friendly people here died down to whispers almost immediately. And as everything starts to fall to a quiet, she waits a moment and folds her hands in front of her and continues. The child welcomes all who wish to improve themselves. 
improve their lives and to uplift their communities. We extend particular welcome to those new faces in the crowd, whether simply curious or ready to seek truths to enhance their very being. And she points out, uh, gestures out with an open hand towards the left end of the room, towards uh, somebody. And a lot of the audience kind of turns and looks a bit that direction. And she steps towards the edge of the stage. Whatever has brought you here tonight, we hope that you may find joy in our teachings, good sir. And she turns her veiled face directly towards all of you, seeing the audience, and gestures to you as well. And you can feel the heads of almost everyone turn towards you. And here, a new flock of its own has entered our midst. Let us all bestow upon them the warmth and the love that this communion has left in our hearts. She gestures back uh, behind you to another group and continues on welcoming two, three more faces she doesn't recognize from previous evening's activities. And as this is going, you hear the doors, the outer doors close as the pairs of dwarves come inside and just shut the outside doors behind them. And one of them, of each pair, stands in front of their doors, hands folded, still looking over the crowd. And one, uh, the other of each pair moves towards the two staircases leading up to the upper floor, up near the top of the aisles, and simply stands back there, also watching across the crowd. And at that, the woman takes her leave and heads back to the backstage. And a near silence fills the room. But as she backs off, there are some hushed and gently whispered conversations renewed throughout the area. Uh, in particular, a larger, kind of portly man, seated next to you, turns and says, Hi. Always good to see new faces here, as the lady says. What brings you to the Twilight's children? We had heard throughout the town that it was a good place to come and uh, to meditate and to reflect and that they were doing a lot of good in the community. We are new here and we wish to see it for ourselves. Aye, that they are. They've been a fantastic addition to our fine town. I hope you'll find the peace you seek here. I truly do. Have you been a member long? Well, they haven't been around long. I've only been to a few sermons of a very busy schedule, but I make time for them when I can. Sounds wonderful. And with that, he uh, turns back towards the stage and kind of settles back in his chair, smile on his face, just kind of waiting. Uh, again, everyone seems perfectly happy in here. <laughs> make me, just to get it out of the way... A sense motive check on just the general room here. Let's just let's just cross that bridge before we even get going. All right, thank you for rolling a twenty immediately. Okay, Dari, you are not dice today. That is a you rolled three dice and two of them are natural ones. Do you, are you okay? You know? Dari is on point. But the the other three, you got some hot sense motives: 25, 29, 31. With I all those, is your so that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> That is true. Yeah. He's just sitting there. He's also sitting there happy, like, this is gonna be cool. He's like, this is great. I'm really interested. So, uh, 20, uh, 25, 
2931. Uh, you all look around the crowd, especially Baylor and Kahina, coming from Savories and the experience that you've had there. None of these people seem to be under the influence of any sort of uh, magic. None of these are look like uh, with the 31. None of these seem, no, no one here is being compelled. No one here seems like they're charmed. No one here has the telltale signs of someone that has had uh, compulsive magic cast on them. This is not like a forced happiness, as far as you can tell. And if it is, it's a spectacularly hidden one. And this all seems to be very genuine. Uh, the, all these even more scary. feelings that you're getting from the <laughs> they crowd. They just drank the Kool-Aid. Oh, boy. <laughs> You, you don't see any, like, there are very subtle, but uh, you can learn signs to people mm -hmm. that are being compelled or being enchanted or charmed, and you, you're just not noticing anything. And you feel pretty confident that you're not noticing anything. They don't have to be going to, like, seriously uh, unfathomable lengths to a 31 to not take that off. The, like, this would uh, have to be, like, a level 20 wizard <laughs> casting, like... Something little like charm person that's barely noticeable for that to yeah because usually the stronger it is the easier yeah, it is to exactly go. because they're being more compelled so it have to be even if they were it would have to be an incredibly light compulsion cast very carefully by a very powerful caster and even then you feel like that's unlikely at best mm -hmm. this uh, the feeling is very genuine the the while we're looking around and just smiling and nodding and uh, you know taking in the dwarves that move to the back and, and the various things, do they seem like, um, I mean, I know they're, they're guarding, but does it seem like they're particularly they're, on edge? They're particularly the, on edge or with the same like, sense motive. Cause I'll give you that for this, the kind of the room, the dwarves in the back don't really seem any different than they did outside. Okay. Uh, the dwarves, you're not even sure are really members of the cult so much as they are literally just ushers or bouncers. And uh, they don't seem particularly on edge at all. They don't seem like they're really worried. Uh, the presence of you guys here doesn't seem to bother them at all. And they um, don't have the same happy, happy, happy vibes that everybody no, else No, they is. do not. They The dwarves are very much just scanning the crowd. Hired for any, muscle. For any problems. Being yeah, professional. They're, they're, Being professional. They are here to do a job. And... Mm -hmm. Like when you talk to them, they were polite enough, but they're fairly curt and brief, and they are again, they're very much doing their jobs. They're hired professionals mm -hmm. is, is a solid and accurate. So a couple minutes later, another group of priests takes the stage. And you see first three more of the robed priests. They look similar to the two that have been guarding the staircases uh, originally. They're still standing there. But leading them is a man who looks quite different. He is also very bundled up in his outfit here. But most of the overlapping circles and the designs on the outside of his robe and his cap are embellished in gold rather than the white. Very little of this man leading them is visible between the gorget going up to his nose and the cap coming down to his eyebrows. But even with the little bit that you can see here, his heritage is completely obvious. His eyes are almost like silver orbs, save for the pupils. And he is clearly a full-blooded ASMR. 
all four of these men, as they come out, space themselves in quarters around the circular stage as they walk around it slowly in a circle, chanting in an airy language that seems to just be long, light strings of vowels with no card consonants whatsoever. Baylor Celestial, I know you know that. Uh, does anybody else know Celestial? No. Celestial. I do, actually. You do? Okay, so both of you would recognize this as Celestial then, Kena and Baylor. Uh, and Kena does operas in Celestial. Yeah. <laughs> It's probably the opera language, really, in Galarian, just because of how the language works. Uh, the chant's very repetitive. It's very brief, and it's very easy to follow, even for the two of you here in Ori and Dara who do not speak a word of Celestial. Uh, as they go on, almost the whole of the audience starts to follow in this chant with them. Some of them closing their eyes, some of them bowing their heads as they join in some of them going so far as to sway gently in their seats as they chant along with the priests. Uh, the two of you who know Celestial would know that it is not a prayer so much as it is a plea for focus and a very simple expression of reverence for the eternity of the circle. <laughs> And as this continues... Circle. The circle, you say. As this continues, several of the members in the audience even pull out little bells or chimes they'd brought from home and ding them along with the incantation. <laughs> this goes on for several minutes. As the audience seems to get further and further involved in this, and the circular march slows. Finally, they spread out. Man the front with the uh, the golden skull cap uh, with an insignia of a, like a many-fingered sun emblazoned on the front of it. Heads to the front of the stage as the other three priests fall back uh, further in a line behind him. Without introduction or any further words, this directly goes into a group prayer. The man simply asks that you join along with him. And this is this is really more general church worship. He'll say a line, the audience mutters it back to him. He says a line, the audience mutters it back to him. And uh, as the audience follows along with him, the three priests behind him speak as well. Now, these prayers are also uh, all in common, not in celestial, but also surprisingly simple and humble. Speaking much, uh, much as what the citizens outside had told you, the values of community, togetherness, and reliance on the leadership and nobility of the city and of Taldor as a whole. Uh, many of these brief lines are parables. He ends with a simple question. I? And the priests behind him echo, I! As does everyone else in the audience. Uh, similar to Amen in a common church. This is, this is all really basic, this part of the proceedings here. Make me knowledge religion checks. Uh, 
Even if you don't have it trained, the four of you can do this. So, Dara and Baylor would recognize this well enough as something fairly common in, uh, again, most religious services. It's very similar to worship of Abadar and Abadar in sermons, much like the chief enumerator had told you he was concerned that people were conflating it with worship of Abadar. You can, you can kind of see that now. And Baylor, with a 29, you go further than that and realize that it, while there's a lot of similarities to common worship of Abadar, that's not actually what it is. Entire stories and sections of these prayers and parables are lifted nearly intact from ancient worship of Erodin. Dead god, that doesn't really happen anymore, so you're the only one who picks up on that one, because you're the only one who would know any of that from your wizard studies. And as these sermons continue, this preacher up front speaks louder and gets more into things, as do the followers in the seats. And as this does, the show starts to go a little further. There are apparently a series of hidden nozzles around the outside of the stage, and they begin to activate, spraying a gentle, sparkling, golden mist out around the stage that rolls out into the room. And this starts, uh, well, thin, as it starts to build up and settle around the edges of the stage, it starts to obscure your very vision of the stage itself to the point where it looks like the preacher and his priests are no longer standing on a circle of wood, but on a golden, literal cloud before you, speaking out into the audience. The speeches and stories continue further, and the sparkling mist starts to spill out into the room. And this effect spreads as the prayers continue until at first you can, it becomes difficult to make out the stage, then the walls separating the theater from the backstage, and the walls of the encircling bower entirety, in its entirety, or even the sections of seats far beyond where you are. Until all you can really make out are the beacons of the torches and the sconces set out around the room, and the preacher and his men up on the stage floating in this golden mist in front of you, still speaking. And you floating as well with this congregation out here together as he guides you on this spiritual journey that's going on. It's some good peyote, man. To say the least. <laughs> it's a very interesting situation. So a lot of dice. What was that's that? Super I'm gonna I'm really concerned. Not important. <laughs> Don't metagame. Don't metagame. Don't metagame me. Don't do this. But Dara and Baylor, you find yourselves feeling almost lifted by his words here. Not in a bad way. This isn't like a charm or a compulsion or anything. You just feel good. You feel happy and 
at peace. And you kind of let yourselves get taken away in this whole thing. And in many cases, whether you wanted to or not, you would at least feel sort of the urge to join in with the rest of the congregation here. I mean, why not? It's not going to hurt anything. I, mean, I would probably, this is, yeah. This is not a magical compulsion by any means. I'm just saying you've, you, you have that feeling of like, this seems perfectly fine. This is, the, they're preaching togetherness and community and happiness. This, I see nothing wrong with this. His prayers happen for about five minutes. And at the end of them, as the walls of the room have fallen away, the priest at front, the preacher, asks out, Now, each of you, I would ask for a moment of silent thought. Not repentance for past actions or sins, but a moment of true focus and insight as to how each man and woman here could again improve yourselves and again better your own communities the greater city of Yonmus beyond that even Taldor perhaps the whole of Galarian and then he folds his hands on his chest and bows his head as do the high priests behind him and as do the whole of the congregation around you as they fall into silence all sound fading away, but just the gentle spray of this golden mist that's still out into the room. And as uh, if any of you do lower your heads, as you do, the last thing you see is the preacher himself stepping back with his head bowed as the mist kind of envelops him. And he steps back behind the high priests until he becomes a shadow and then gone entirely. There's a full minute of this silent reflection. Ooh, are you participating? Are you all kind of walking around like, I'm not sure what's happening and I'm My concerned. head's down. I'm doing the down, head down. Kahina, uh, I'm kind of sitting there, you know, doing my bard. I'm peeking. Give it some peeking. Peeks. Let's see what's going I'm on peeking. around here. Yeah. Watching. Uh, Kind of pe I'm, people watching too. Yeah, yeah to, I'm not as lifted uh, as the other two. Let's see what's going out here. So you would see after this minute, the preacher reappears on the stage, stepping forth from this mist, his arms outstretched toward the crowd, with his palms turned skyward. And he begins another homily about the value of the cult as a community and how each man or woman here is responsible for not only their own happiness, but the uplifting of their peers and their own outlook on life. Again, this all seems fairly standard and nothing really stands out majorly about this, but the crowd is just as silent as they were during the moment of silence before. And they seem to hang on his every word as they're enraptured, nearly. Uh, very much bought in to what is going on here. Not important. 
Mistress Cha, at this point, you would also feel like uh, Baylor and Dara are. Uh, you would begin to feel kind of uplifted and happy, and you feel yourself also kind of getting lost in this man's speech. And you just feel content. A peace that you probably haven't really felt since you began this journey for the War for the Crown, since you've had so much on your plate at all times, even your relaxation, you have had so many concerns. But now, in this very moment, everything almost seems like it melts away. And this portion, these brief stories, seem to be the bulk of the sermon. It goes on for five minutes, 10, 15. And then finally he steps yet further forward and becomes clearer in this mist than he has been since the, uh, the mist began to fill the room. And the audience almost kind of leans in. You can tell the excitement here is palpable. Something, this is, something is happening. They, and the people that have been here before are fully aware of it. This is the moment. Baylor, Darek, you know, you feel this almost euphoric excitement as well, just from everyone around you. I mean, you can pick up on what's going on here, and you are just as excited as them for whatever reason to see what is about to happen. I mean, it's what you came here for. And he speaks, uh, he continues. Now, those who have chosen of their own volition to come here tonight, those who have taken the first or the hundredth step on your personal paths to self-actualization, those who wish to seek the wisdom, the twilight child. Behold, as he speaks that final word, his arms spread wide to the audience as the priests behind him raise their arms to the heavens, as do many of the members of the audience, their fingers outstretched. It seems like nobody's even breathing here. But behind the preacher, a ghostly figure of a child raises up through the mist. His almost hollow eyes are closed he is adorned in golden robes with the same white circular motifs. He raises his head towards the audience as he opens his eyes slowly, and a weak but gentle smile crosses his face. The preacher speaks softly. Behold, the Prince Carus. Wisdom of Emperor's past held within his body the true beacon of the answers that you seek. And then he reaches out, pointing very directly with a finger towards a member of the audience. And he steps through this cloud towards him. Risen Prince, here is a man, a baker, whose neighbors owe him debts. And uh, everyone looks at this man he's pointing toward. And the man kind of leans back, shock on his face. The prince speaks softly, but his voice ringing throughout the room, as if it were not coming from the child, but simply emanating out from the mist around you. That which is owed to you 
shall be repaid and shall multiply as your dough rises beyond the pan. At this, the man in the audience stands up, like his head back and his arms raised up towards the heavens if he's trying to catch the sky. Rise me the prince! He knows! And uh, a bunch of the people around him in the side section of the audience physically reach out to try like, to, to touch this man as if they could just get an, a bit of essence of power from the prince just through contact here. And the preacher strides across and points out to the other side section. Risen Prince! He begins, he points out towards a woman. And that woman stands up immediately, her face pallid and white. Like, in shock. And her hand flies up to cover her face, like she's terrified. He continues, This woman fears that her sons will waste her investments in them. And she, like, just gasps. And in the tiniest voice, How? And the prince gently turns his head to her. Weak smile still on his face. Good woman, your sons will return your fortunes to you tenfold, as their business spreads word of your family name even beyond the walls of this good city. And she asked again, and she's like terrified at this point. This woman has no idea. She's one of the ones that got called out in the beginning as being new here by the first lady, and she has no idea what's going on. Ah! And she's like almost shrieking. How? How does he know? And she starts, like, gasping for air, almost. And the preacher bows his head a bit. And you can see the wrinkles near his eyes as he smiles beneath his gorget. The good prince supports us all, brave lady. Allay your fears. And she sits down slowly. And there's the audience reaching out, this time comfortingly. And she seems, she seems happy, but shocked and shaken and hyperventilating. She's not handling this quite as well as the first person did. And so the preacher takes another step forward. Madam, let not the words of our good prince instill fear in your heart. Please, allow him to purge you of your fears. And when the high priest behind him steps down through the fog towards the woman, almost as if he's gliding through this mist, and helps her up, and escorts her up onto the stage by the preacher and Prince Carius. And she is shaking at this point. And the high priest doesn't, it's not like pushing her, he's very gently escorting her. And the preacher calmly, softly, puts a hand on her shoulder and kind of softly holds her and walks her in front of the prince. And the prince starts moving his arms around in circles drawing twisting shapes and forms in the air, cutting through this mist. And finally he stops with one finger raised and pointed towards the woman. And as he does, you instantly see her come. Instantaneously. See her hold still, the color comes back into her face, and she starts breathing normally, and it's night and day. And she closes her eyes and just stands almost kind of slack. And the ASMR turns back towards the audience, out, arms outstretched once again. The power of the prince, if you possess the courage to let it into your soul, holds a healing magic near that 
of any clerical powers. Good lady, how do you feel? She turns back toward her. And she nods slowly. So she's almost confused now about how quickly her emotion here is turned. But she turns around towards the audience with a huge smile on her face. My fears are gone! Praise him! And the last, as she says that the rest of the congregation all calls out, Praise him! In unison. With cheers. And the hall is filled with an almost rapturous clapping as the high, uh, one of the priests behind the preacher helps the woman back to her seat. And she sits down, almost like tearing up with joy at this point. It's very... Uh, clearly, something has happened. He, uh, whatever, like, she's either the world's best actor, or something very much happened. And the preacher, as the room comes, turns back around, smiling out to the crowd, and raises a finger towards Dara. Prison Prince! This soldier fears that his choices in life had led him astray, and he has betrayed those who raised and trained him. The prince turns his gaze to Dara. He says, You wield arms imbued with righteousness, only in good service to your country. They have trained you well, and your choices are true. Praise him! <laughs> and at that, everyone's gonna call it again. Praise him! With Dara, as the crowd around you uh, kind of surges for, uh, around again through the chairs, trying to reach out to like, lay hands on Dara as if to get some amount of this, this magical power for themselves. And then this continues. He goes around throughout the room, calling out man or woman for their fears and the prince assuring that they will be allayed and the crowd gets more and more pulled away in this as time continues more and more pulled into this this event this reading these promises and the cheers become nearly deafening uh, the prince's powers are devastated, uh, demonstrated not once, but twice more throughout this. Once, quelling the grief of a man over his grandfather's passing. And again, healing a man stricken with actual illness. Sickened with nausea. Cleansed from his body in an instant by the prince's power. But you could actually hear uh, as the man speaks, as the prince and the preacher call upon him, and afterward, the hoarseness in his voice disappear in an instant as the prince does whatever it is he's doing with these motions on the stage. It's clear as day that he has been healed. And give me another sense motive check for all you guys that are in here. Thirty-five for Kahina. A twenty-two for Baylor. And a thirteen and a twenty-one for Darn and Nori. 
Dara, you're at this point still focused on the fact that somehow the preacher and the prince, that was your dice again. It's because I'm tabbing back and forth between two things. And when I tab back over to uh, roll 20 on my GM screen, it, it rolls whatever the last dice was because I have to have it as the active focus to roll. That's why dice keep popping up and makes rolling noises. But uh, all of you could tell that the way his voice changed, you couldn't just warp your voice to do that. Other than Dara. Uh, 21, 22, 35 cents motive. That couldn't be faked. This man was ill and he has been healed in an instant. And nobody encanted anything. I mean, Prince moved his hands around, but nobody's casting a spell, as far as any of you can tell. And this includes Baylor, who was here with very high spellcraft. Nobody appears to be casting anything. But he was very much healed. It's but definitely after, not magic that he's doing, because I mean, hand motions could be. I mean, he could be casting dramatic. a silent spell, but like with spellcraft checks, it wouldn't. It, it doesn't match magical motions. Magical okay. motions are incredibly precise, and what he's doing seems to almost be more for the good of the audience, more for show. And you, specifically, Inori, being the one who's not totally getting wrapped up away in this could look at this with kind of more critical eye and tell that it is really like the arm motions are just showmanship. Mm. With your 21 on sense motive, that is not somatic components of a spell. He's okay. just doing some stuff. Finally, this portion of the worship ends. Nell's been standing outside for about 50 minutes now. <laughs> standing outside just, well, at a tavern. Either. He's been in a tavern for nearly an hour with a bucket of armor and swords. He's watching for people drinking. The prince himself encants a brief prayer. Uh, like everything else, the ceremony promises blessings unto those who support their community. As he finishes this weak smile still on his face, he raises his hands gingerly, not high, as if it takes some great effort to do so, even after the motions he's been doing so far. And his form descends and disappears back into the golden mist from whence it came. The preacher takes the center again, asking the audience for volunteers, those who received the prince's assurances in past sermons, to stand and testify to the prince's power. Nearly a half dozen men and women stand from the crowd immediately, hands raised, some shouting glory to his name, eager to share their own stories of love, business, anything in their life that the prince had fixed through his miracles. They had called out from them in previous night sermons that had truly come to be fixed or healed or repaired. And as they profess their victories, uh, you hear the nozzles turn off and the mist starts to fade from the room. And the sparkling gold throughout the auditorium fades to a mere shimmer. The walls slowly come back into focus and you start to come back to grips the three of you, Biller, Dar, and Kate, almost forgot where you even were. You start to remember you're, you are sitting here in this room, inside the encircling bower, in this building. And after about ten minutes of these testimonies, as the mist has mostly cleared and the stage has come back into focus, the ceremony starts to wind down and come to an end. Uh, the preacher steps back and lets the trio of priests behind him take the front of the stage, leading the group in a hymn from Abadaran worship, a fairly common Abadaran hymn. 
After this prayer, the preacher behind them presses his hands together, bows, and turns to leave the stage as a second prayer begins. And the audience is too involved in just thunderous applause for this preacher to even encant the beginning of this second prayer. And it just completely washes away the priest beginning to talk. And the Baylor Darink at this point, you cannot help but join in to this applause. Leaving possibly Anori as the only person in the entire room not clapping. <laughs> just sitting in her seat. Blown away by what you've just witnessed here. A few more hymns are followed by the congregation before the worship ends at the center of the high priests, wishing great fortune among all who walk this world and inviting all those here tonight to go forth and spread the good word of the Risen Prince. And with another round of explosive applause, the priests retire backstage as the dwarven ushers open the external doors back up. And as they're opened, only the faint lights of lanterns meet your gaze outside as complete darkness has fallen over the city. Inori, you know you've been in here for a full hour. The rest of you have completely lost your sense of time. You've no idea how long it's been. Uh, many of the congregations stand up and leave offerings they've brought with them. Fine food, drink, clothing, even just money or other goods up on the <coughs> stage as they leave. And the group, in high spirits, slowly begins to filter out the doors into the streets. Um, oh. I, I would stand and walk and leave several gold pieces along as an offering before yeah, so would I am ah oh. alright I'll leave a couple too Miller just kind of standing up overwhelmed almost everybody yeah, more. everybody but Anori at this point you still feel almost like Euphoric is the word I'm going to use, which I'm aware in 2019 is a word that's been memed into existence. But in all seriousness, absolutely just euphoric through this. As if this has truly brought calm and happiness onto you. Well, that was fantastic. Oh my goodness. We should come back here tomorrow. I feel very at peace. I feel like we can look at things in a in a calmer and uh, more focused light. Well, I guess we should go get our uh, weapons back from Nell. Hmm. And so, as you stand to leave, your items are returned to you. The dwarves, as you pass through, your spell component pouches and uh, whatever else you would have turned over to the ushers, it's returned to you in the doorway as they can nod their heads. You head back onto the streets. And I suppose that it is there, as we leave our first glorious cult experience, <laughs> that we can have our first break. And we can all reflect on the values that the cult has instilled upon us, togetherness, community, self-actualization. Give it a nice... Anyway, now that we are all back, I do need one roll from Minori. Ah. I was the only person who was not swept away mm. by this particular sermon and maintained Don't a let us down. more level head 
I need a perception check from you. Okay. I could I could probably Who's ready for the hard one? Come on now, team. Have a little <laughs> bit of faith. Do it, do it, do it. 18. So with an 18, uh, you would have been looking around that whole thing with a more critical eye. Uh, because yes. you went in there skeptical and you left skeptical. Yes. Because you did not get swept away by the whole thing. And as you were looking around, as that hour-long sermon was going on, you would have seen a lot more than the rest of the group. Uh, because everything you wouldn't have had as much of the we are all in a cloud together on a spiritual journey kind of experience. You would have seen like, okay, it's we're in a stage a theater, but it's just slightly harder to see everything now. And uh, with your perception check, as you were just kind of looking around at various points in the audience, a bit of motion would have caught your eye during uh, some of the early prayers before the mist really started filling the room up on the balcony above you. You couldn't catch exactly what it was. Okay. The four of you spill back out into the street. Three of you feeling fantastic. And find your way to meet back up with Nell and your equipment. At this point, it is very much nighttime. Uh, The sun has fallen and darkness has taken the city. It's just lanterns down the roads uh, and hand lamps from those still out doing business at this late hour that provide any source of light. So what'd you guys think? It was it was a very a very centering experience. I have I have not found peace in meditation or in um, thoughts like that in a very long time. I was I, I'm quite pleased. Well, it was a good show. I can say that much. From what I, what I'm thinking, but I, I, I don't know. But to what end? It was pretty convincing. Uh, so, are any of your characters over thirty? Is it just Baylor? I'm right. I'm. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm thirty exactly. Okay, that works. Baylor, how old are you? Not yet. Uh, sixty-six. Okay, <laughs> shut up. So. Half elf. <laughs> Dara, yeah, I know. I was like, I'm pretty I'm positive you are, but I'm asking anyway. Dara and Baylor, you would be old enough to have been alive uh, and, you know, not tiny baboos when Prince Carius was around and old enough to remember uh, seeing portraits or paintings of him at some point before most of that was pretty much just kind of scrubbed from history and written off. And that... That certainly looked like Prince Carries. I'm old enough to remember Grand Prince Davian III being crowned. Yes, yes, you are. <laughs> you are old All enough right. to remember him being a being born, possibly. I think you might be older than him. I thought he ruled for like 50 years or something. I'm not sure. I know he's older. He, if you're, you're not far off of his age. So you would definitely remember him being crowned, yes. Barely, it would have been a little, a wee little elven boy. Because I, I, I think that was, 
a discussion we had at the beginning of the campaign was that I was the only one who remembered a time oh, before yeah, I remember he that, was. Actually, I remember that. Yeah, but both of you, Dara and Biller, are old enough to have some faint recollection. Now, after seeing him, Nara, and after Baylor telling you, kind of jogs your memory. Yeah, Prince Carius was a thing. And that definitely looked like Prince Carius, as far as he was depicted previously. Not like either of you would ever have met him. I'm just saying, that, as you know as well as I do, Baylor, there's magics to make something appear one way. I mean, no one really interacted with him. If you know what he looks like, I could probably do it right now. After just seeing him. As much as I hate to totally agree with Inori about this, because of. I do. I would like to feel like this is all that this piece actually did come from him. I mean. Might have been the drugs they were pumping into the air. Drugs would it's... not have known my story or my conflict. That's the one thing I'm having trouble with. How did they glean that information off of you? It is true, right? I'm assuming all that is... And I have not spoken about it to anyone. Do you not remember how... Why am I blanking on his name? Inquisitor of Abadar. Oh, it's be- because he's very forgettable. Yeah. That's why. Like, Gusern. Like, do you not remember how Gusern could tell whether someone was lying with magic? There are ways to get more information out of someone than that. But unaware in a crowd? Out of I mean, a crowd, unaware. You never saw anybody casting a spell. And, I mean, the preacher is pretty much visible on stage almost the whole time. Because that kind of kills my theory of there being plants in the crowd to play along with the show, because we all know Dara's not a plant. Could have been gathered beforehand. (laughs) Possibly. Yeah, it's... it's, I'm still processing it all. There's... And you're also still feeling pretty good about it in general. Yeah. That's why I don't want to uh, agree, (laughs) because I want to feel like this is... I mean, divine casters get their power from gods. What is the difference between magic and the power of the divine? They are often one and the same, are they not? Very true. True, just different ways of going about it. Question lies then in this. If this is in fact the son of Stavian. So would you? I know it opens that up is a, a whole huge pile of, of questions. We, we we don't. I don't even know if we should think that far ahead, honestly, Kahina. Well, it's it's more like fairly important, I would say. Eutropia's main goal was to keep Pytherius out of power, wasn't it? It's not necessarily if she knew her brother was here. I mean, I doubt she would want to step aside for. I don't her know that. Brother. But I, yeah, you're right. I, I wouldn't know. I mean, I, we should definitely tell her of this turn of events, and 
not even that. Maybe we should even possibly ask or request an audience with the head priest to Definitely find out if, investigate the validity of this before well to find we out what you know it's very much Yanma stays neutral but if the son of Stavian wishes for his sister to to uh follow and become the queen. Here's I... a question for you. As the pseudo-inquisitors of Yanmas at the current time, can we not just request an audience and drill the individuals for answers? We could try. I mean, we have the authority, don't we? That's the thing about religious cults, though. They don't really answer to anybody. Yeah, we have as much authority as they'll allow us. Mm-hmm. I mean, they well, want the problem at least understood. I'm sure they would let us talk to the people. Like, we're not threatening them or anything. Well, that's that's what I'm saying. <laughs> if we find out that by this is all real, if we do discover this is all real, should we not be asking them, you know, what the next step for the princess should be. At the very least, I think Utropia needs to know that this claim is being made sooner rather than later. I agree. It does kind of seem like it's pretty important. We can let her know we don't have much information available. We don't know how valid this is, but... I mean, if you guys are really wanting to do that, we we could send my raven. I didn't... We had a discussion about the range of your raven it's previously. Not... It is it's certainly difficult. not the odd miss to Marat. We need to pay a messenger, yeah, and we need them far. to leave tonight. Now, pay the extra. You are looking at a very long-distance message. Uh, even paying a messenger to leave tonight... It's going to be a couple days. Right. Yeah, a at couple least. days. It's going to be... Two weeks. It, yeah, it's going to be two weeks. For the message oh, wow. to reach Marat County, and another two weeks if she replied immediately. You are you are free to contact her, but you're looking at almost a full month turnover from you sending a message to getting a response from Martella. It's unless you communicate through some magical means. That's a pretty long time. What did anybody even? I have the ability. Do the Avatar churches uh, have any way of communicating with each other? I have a spell that could get in contact, but I don't currently have the ability to use it. It's... I wrote it down, but it's beyond my means to actually make use of at the moment. What spells mm. that you're looking for? Because I'm actually checking right now because I believe are you thinking of sending? Yes. Yeah, because I think sending is the lowest level spell that can do what you want. Uh, because it doesn't have a range. It just has to be uh they have to be familiar with you. But yeah, you can't cast that until ninth level. Oof. 
because it is just sending a message over a distance is the distance that mighty is pretty high level magic. What if we worked together to try to do it? If I mean, we could search the markets. If there were a scroll of it around, I could do it. All right, but the odds of finding that are probably kind of low. Yeah, that's highly dependent on what we could find in town. It's not a small town, but it's not exactly a common item either. Well, I mean, think about that honestly, because you're you're in a massive trade city where merchants and trading companies have contracts with literally other continents. I think behind, like, Cure Light Wounds, Sending is probably the second most common scroll in the city. Well, if that's the case, let's I go mean, search it. Being a fifth level scroll, though. So, hold this on. This is... At, at you saying that, I'm going to... If you want to switch perspective over Squid, I'm going to roll a dice. Okay. Yes, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's not like they're going to be there all the time, but you have a good chance of finding one. I'm going to hand you a bundle of the mints and say this is for encouragement in finding your scroll. I hope that's the look that you're giving him right now. Have you lost your mind? <laughs> no. I mean, uh, you I had the nightmares. Be... I'm, 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 I'm honestly, I mean, no offense <laughs> now, but what in the world is a handful of mint going to do to help encourage Baylor to be able to shop better? Well, it's, it's encouragement. You see, it's intended to be funny. Make mm -hmm. everyone a little happy. Did you wait? Oh. No. Oh. That is not what you're trying to do. Wait, I just did you guys got not it. get it? Did you not? Did, you, <laughs> did that really go over your heads? I just got oh. it, and I, I feel like I just want to. I want to TPK the party right now. Can I do that? Let me oh. draw. Oh man. I reach over. <laughs> I reach over, and I and I grab the mug of beer in front of Nell and start to pull it away as if to signal him that he's had enough. And as I pull it away, I then quickly turn it over on top of his head and dump the rest oh. of it on top of his head. Oh, no. Oh, to be honest, with the amount of alcohol that I have consumed and with how the nightmares have kept me awake all day and all night, he's just going to laugh. <laughs> There's just laughter here. You deserve oh, that. That I is mean, bad, you and are... you should feel bad. She is... Like, literally from a cult religious service in a supernaturally good mood right now, and you still killed it. That's how bad your pun was. Your yes. pun was supernaturally bad. You buzz killed. Your pun was a, bu a literal buzz kill. Baylor still hasn't spoken. Guys. Don't forget. <laughs> Time out. I still have two more of these. Time uh -oh. out. Time out. Dara? Yeah? Did you not get the joke? I have no idea what you guys are talking about. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> oh no! Let, let's just move, move on, on from this. No, I'm just letting, 
Let her live her nice, innocent yeah. life. Just Pretend like you're just standing here being disappointed with me. Dara yeah. is both. Doing. Dara is both <laughs> drunk and also euphoric from this cult service. Oh yeah, so, I crossfaded. I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah, he didn't even hear it. Didn't even hear it. Oh. <sighs> it would be quite expensive. Baylor's just moving on. <laughs> if he can find one of these scrolls. Uh, what did you do with the stuff he handed you? I want to. Like, like, you just standing there holding, holding it. I didn't a take it. Oh, <laughs> just looked at him. And... Oh, no, I just set it down on the table. Just right there. And it's on the table. I didn't. Yeah, it, it's just sitting there. It's going to stay there. <laughs> All right. Well, so you're, you're thinking think... we might be able to find this scroll. If that sounds can, like a... it's going to be expensive. We can afford it. Nell's does... got all kinds of money. Sound like as, an adventure for. As tomorrow. far as the party money is concerned, we can barely afford it. <laughs> it uh, I have, I have money on mine. I'm carrying around cash. As am I. I'm fairly confident we can afford a scroll. Yeah, we could definitely afford it. It it would be important enough that I think we could. Make it happen. We can start searching tomorrow morning. And then the chief enumerator was very much uninformed on what the cult is doing. I feel like we should pay the church a visit and let him know a bit more about what's going on. Talk to him when Mercondus isn't there. Yes. That'll be automatically better than the last time we talked to the Chief and the Emirator. So it's, it's very interesting what they seem to be what their services are similar to. Mm, what is that? Not gonna share that with the class quite yet, I see. A god who has been dead. God who has been dead. Oh! Like the uh the... Like my box. Uh, your box? Oh yeah, I I took a box from a shrine of Erodin. Now give Erodine, me my stuff, sir. Just give me my stuff. I took a box from a shrine of Erodin. As far as I know, you still have that box. I, I do. It's in my it's in my bag. What about what about the the, uh, the the paladin that we met? Didn't the holy spear? Didn't she have a holy symbol of a dead god? A herald of a dead god. Ah, same dead god? Arasni. Ah, not the same well, dead god. Well, Arasni <laughs> yes. was a herald of Erodin, yes. Isn't this how that so crazy, same god. Isn't this how that crazy Annie Paladin King guy got fired up? All these dead god talks? Shut up about Anzu. Moving on. Nothing? <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, the five of you having at least gotten something out of today with this uh, this cult adventure mission quest head back to your apartments for the evening still three of you in absolutely fantastic spirits one of you in fantastic spirits and drunk and one of you just drunk one of you perfectly fine sober and probably starting to worry about the various effects on your party members here you all sleep and awaken the next morning or 
several plans, it seems. Uh, do you want to try to find a scroll of sending, first of all? Yeah. Yes. I could go looking for it. Because Maybe we is... could find our goat <coughs> while we are doing this. Sorry about that. Because in Yamas, uh, that is not going to be horribly difficult to find, but I am going to have you roll me a D100, because... That's just the the roll to see if an item below purchase. This is just rolls is written. Item below purchase limit in a settlement. Seventy five was seventy five or eighty percent chance of being there. If you roll between twenty and twenty five, we'll look it up. But Baylor, what was the scroll idea? Roll me a D one hundred. Let's go ahead and beat twenty five so that we don't have to worry about whether it's a seventy five or an eighty percent chance. Because I actually don't know off the top of my head. I have a bad feeling. Eh. No, I don't have a bad feeling. Roll good. Sixty six. Sixty six. So you, uh, yeah, if you were to look around the markets, it's not difficult at all. Uh, a lot of very wealthy people moving coin that is measured in hundreds if not thousands of platinum operate massive empires that run through Yangus. It is run by a friggin' mercantile council. And these people quite frequently in uh, emergency situations need to be able to contact their various warehouses, uh, subordinates, outreaches, and even as far as different countries or continents. There are several providers of Scrolls of Sending. Uh, several high-level casters pretty much make an entire living here in Yonmis, as a matter of fact, doing basically just this. I would as, like to get to know them well. As you find <laughs> uh, at least one traveling merchant who is a, an, a surprisingly young woman for what appears to be such a learned uh, wizard, a specialist in the school of evocation who provides services such as this to her clients normally, personally, but also has a scroll to sell you if you wish to buy it. And a scroll of sending is what, 1150 or 1250? 1125. 1125. 1125 gold, you can get yourself a scroll of sending that will allow you to instantly and mentally send a message to Martella and receive a reply. It's, it's, it's uh, bing bing one way one way and then one message of 25 words or less one message of 25 words or less irrelevant distance it only has a minor failure chance if your target is for some reason another plane of existence so like the width of Taldor is not even a consideration for this spell so where's the thousand hundred and twenty five gold coming from I have um, a hundred platinum that I can give up. 100 platinum is 1,000 gold. So well, that's most of it. If yeah. you want to front that for this. That's fine. I don't mind. I haven't used it for anything else in like a real imports. Well, look at you. Well, Team I feel player. like this one's pretty useful, so I'm like, I'm down with that. A gentleman yeah. and a scholar. Then you can pull 125 out of the party loot and you can just take 100 platinum off your sheet. I can do that. Yeah. That'll even us out fairly well. So you purchase one scroll of sending from this young mage. Are you going to use it immediately? Well, it takes a while to cast. So It does, but it is... It is uh, Planning them words out. It, yeah, you have time because it is almost a casting ritual. It takes 10 minutes to cast this spell to be able to focus a thought so precisely to support it with this magic to send it over any distance. So... I mean, immediately I meant in the grand scheme of things, as in, like, yeah. you're going to go home and do it, not are you going to cast sending in the street? <laughs> like, oh. I, hey, I, it's, a, it's a wide immediately. <laughs> so it's not very immediate. 
anyway, I would advise to the party that we go and get this sent sooner rather than later. I agree. I second. Cool. Yeah, we'll do that. Head back so, to the apartment. You have both your few minutes travel back to the apartment. The day, I'd say it takes you, I'm going to give you, let's go D4 hours to locate this mage in the scroll of sending. One. Can I, while we're so it's still doing pretty early that, in the afternoon, early in the morning. Can I, while we're doing that, do the, um, uh, just just search for, listen, Absolutely. listen for rumors. If you want to fork off from the group, yeah, and try to learn yeah, I don't know something. anything about scrolls, so like. Oh, yeah, I, I would much rather do that as well. All right, so yeah, you can. Well, I want to see spend... him cast this thing. I'm going to be watching intently to see the scroll work. You can spend your time uh, spending two hours, so you'll get back when they're done casting the scroll of sending. All right, cool. Let me back up with them because you uh, D4 was four. You do it in half the time from your signature skill. Are you just trying to pick up news, or are you trying to learn about one of Yanmus's many problems in particular? No. Any particular feelings on the matter? We could both listen for something different, couldn't we? I don't know. Uh, you could, yeah. If you want to case the town separately, you can certainly do that. You'll just run me two diplomacy checks, and it will take you... Uh, it takes Dara two hours, and it takes Nell also two hours, so it's perfect. You mm -hmm. both spend two hours kind of gathering yeah, rumors. So, let's start with Dara. Uh, what... What are you, are you just trying to find just general news? Are you trying I'll just to learn do, yeah, general dreams, the news. bandits, the soldiers? Just general news? All right, let me uh, diplomacy. Okay. Uh, 17. <laughs> so you... Well... I don't think you Jeez. should be holding dice right now. You are fired from <laughs> I think playing she, tabletop. I think she's going to hurt herself. How many natural ones have you rolled today? Like, like three at least three. At least three. And you've only rolled like four dice. <laughs> like, you it's charging I, up for later. I feel like Paizo, Paizo fumbles in the chat. Well, it's the good news here is that this is Pathfinder first edition. So that natural ones on a skill check don't automatically fail. I mean, you still got an eight, so you definitely failed. But you didn't automatically <laughs> fail because you rolled a one. Get this all out of your system before we finish War for the Crown and play a second edition adventure path because natural ones definitely fail skill checks in second edition. So Ew. those are still out of, on the other hand, 20s are out of successes and skill checks too. So oh, get it out of your system now. <laughs> but you, uh, you and Nell split up and you don't hear anything new. It's a anything good thing we split up. New or helpful. You hear a uh, story about how a one of the Firewatch recently uh, yesterday afternoon had recovered a little kind of neighborhood community cat that had gone missing wandered outside the walls uh you hear some more grumbling about just the uh, the plague of dreams that people have experienced them but nothing nothing you don't already know and you heading into one smaller tavern on the southern end of town step foot in the door and are immediately turned away as the proprietor is no longer, as he says, taking the risk of serving foreigners. So you are- I was warned about it. You aren't taking a whole lot of uh, progress. Now, Nell, do you find anything 
Well, give me your diplomacy as well. Oh god, yes. You guys are terrible at this. <laughs> you got a two, which is twice <laughs> as much as what Nara rolled. Yeah. But that also gives you a ten total, which similarly, you don't find anything of particular interest going on around the town. You find a few more people that are terribly excited about this cult thing as you felt kind of left out, not getting to go in. You find a few more people also that are having these issues with the dreams. And you, uh, the most interesting thing you learn on is there is a shop that has a fantastic buy one, get one sale going on cloak clasps of uh, various makes, but that's not anything you're after right now. It might be, but still not helpful in the grand scheme of things. Fair enough. And you, after your lack of success, we end up wandering around back to the apartment sometime after Baylor has finished casting Descending. So what are you telling her? You do with Sending have a hard limit of 25 words. So Don't it is send a... the message. The cult in Yanmis is claiming to follow... Eutropia's younger brother resurrected. Halfway there. Look, uh, and say, looking into the details. Okay, you're good. So it takes you some time to, again, <laughs> do almost the ritual that is descending spell, and uh, pull the magic out of this, and project your thoughts out to Martella, wherever she is. After ten minutes of focus. The spell goes off, your message is sent, and you hear her voice in reply almost immediately inside your own head. If you even suspect he may be genuine, return him here and I'll do more to confirm his identity before I approach Eutropia. And that's it. Before? What'd she say? What'd she say? What'd she say? <laughs> oh, yeah. What the heck? You're he not even here. <laughs> no, we got back after. Wow. Wow. You get back a you while get back after, after this. this. Yeah, it'll be a while after this. You would not be here. This is uh, Baylor, Nori, and Kahina. I just, I just realized this spell is basically, you know, magic Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> Character limitations. Yep, it's that's mag magic. You, magical yeah, you Twitter. Said one magic Did I just slide into Martello's DM? <laughs> Did. Oh, no! I hate today. Wow, he yes! did! He oh! did! Oh, babe! I love it. How was the reaction to this so different to the encouragement? They were both equally terrible. Yeah, well, I don't I, want to relive that. No, it's because I made the joke versus Baylor making. All right, never makes it. You who never person, makes jokes like that. It's funnier when he does it. That's See, fair. the encouragement. He broke IRL character. Anyway, yeah, I, I guess the, he I did. saw the ink disappear from the scroll. What'd she say? What'd she say? What'd she say? What'd she say? What happened? She says that if we even suspect that this may be true that we need to get him back to Marat to be investigated more thoroughly. That changes things entirely. Okay. So that. now we need to confirm the identity to make sure it really is the prince. I'm more concerned with confirm... the fact 
whether there's even a chance he is. Mm. What's your plan? So does that not complicate things with us telling his uh, imminence over at the Church of Abadar about what's going on? Should we not confirm for ourselves whether or not it is or is not true before we say anything to them? I mean, honestly, why don't we... We're back for this conversation, correct? Sure. You could get. You would get I'm back just after this. There, there. No, this. I mean, we can. We can say it. You would get back a, a little while afterwards, but you, you two would arrive while they're discussing this. So, sure. Okay. Why don't we just take him? Um. Because there's an entire cult following him, and yeah. that would be about the most difficult thing in the city to possibly try and do. And, and, these what are are we and this is a yeah. city that has a disappearing army, so that's saying something. I'm also confused as to what um, the uh, what is her name, Martella? Yes. Yeah. Um, what does she expect exactly from us to just kidnap if he is the prince or is not the prince? We cannot just like kidnap some kid and. What does she expect us to do here? Well, I, I, mean, I mean, it sounds to me like kidnap the kid, but I mean, yeah, my backpack's not big enough to fit a kid, but we can get it. <laughs> you I'm... guys are not hearing this. Kidnapping a kid's one thing. A We're kid just gonna go ghost. steal their Jesus. Easy. A kid ghost and the prince, or maybe not prince. It we could was be... very difficult to see in that fog. Mm. I don't Dude. know that he was a ghost. I still think it's a major illusion or something. Well, if it's an illusion, then we don't have to worry about kidnapping anything because there's nothing to kidnap. Which I'm hoping is the case, because kidnapping a ghost child from a cult that will absolutely kill us for trying is... If it is someone who physically exists, he would want to see his sister, I would think. Even Again, if he's just acting. We do have authority here. If we present this to the council and say... Okay, let me, I we, feel like I need to clarify a point. You have what is functionally the equivalent of diplomatic immunity here. Exactly. You don't have authority. If we present this to the council and, and it's say... It's not even like diplomat, it's diplomatic we protection. Present? We're here on behalf of Princess Eutropia. Yeah. Let us kidnap the kid. Can we kidnap your, <laughs> your twilight child, please? If this we know his sister is potentially the younger you have sibling, a note from his sister to pick him up from school today. Li- yeah, <laughs> literally, literally. If this is the younger sister, let uh, us. Sounds like Mar- sounds like Martel is not telling you about this. Yeah, why just let us take him to her to verify this because that will smooth things over with the government all. Of this insanity, this would. So we're this sticking would with the steal their Jesus. I see plan. no smoothing at all with that plan at all. Also, why is she not telling Utropia? Is then this like a, a fairly fairly large deal? I feel. Uh, I can understand her not wanting to say anything out loud, uh, yet because to get your sister's hopes up with the fact that your baby brother may actually be alive and only to find out it's a charlatan 
It break is literally. Her heart. Hey, your dead brother might be alive and also he's a cult leader. Maybe. Your dead We're brother that may or may not be in line before you on the throne, so you should take this as a serious threat. He's dead. Like not, not even that. I mean, if you had a, you know, a younger sibling who. Who this is died. bigger than family ties, though. This is the no. I, I'm just saying. You asked why you didn't think Martella would tell her. It could destroy her. Does like, a ghost really get rights to a, to a crown? If it's already why do started, you keep to saying it's a ghost. If it if it is a ghost and it is him, does he have a legitimate claim as a ghost? I mean, that is a like regardless of why he's asking this question, that is a super interesting question, Galarian wise. I mean, because ghosts definitely still are the person. There yeah, is. does it's he still have insane. rights? If it was actually dead? Ghost Carius, would he still be the heir to the throne as an undead? If he I was mean, an undead that retained his. Like, I, I would say sanity? no. That's the same as saying a vampire could take the throne. Yeah, no, same question. Not, if you were a vampire, think, could you take no. the throne? If you, if he but was a vampire, a, a vampire could take the throne by force. <laughs> by force, but yes. they can't. If everyone knows you're a vampire, which in this case everyone would know he's a ghost because he's a well, ghost. I feel like this one's pretty simple. Open a, a window self. in the middle of the day. We have an easy answer to this one. The, you're the on kickoff, fire tonight. The kickoff event of this campaign was the fact that this country has not yet made it legal for a woman to take the throne. So I think an undead heir is a little bit further out of the question than so, yeah, a it's daughter. Less about, it's less about whether or not he would have a legitimate right to the throne, and more or less the fact that Marta, or that uh, Eutropia, who needs to present a strong and put together self for the people to engender faith in them, she was a wreck because her brother was either alive or alive and being used as a puppet or has spawned and turned into something something wonderful and angelic and or you know horribly evil that can do bad mental things to a person and that's Jesus. not and she will have to handle these types of issues I, we I mean, are not here to protect her we I, we swore an oath to the princess but I why like burden her with the knowledge it... that her younger brother right or... in case it's not like if we find yeah, out that it is then that's why Martella is saying for us to investigate further. If it yeah, is we, him, then we then we do. We bring him to her. If it's not him and it is some sort of ruse or something else entirely, then there's no reason to burden her with it. We take care of it and it's done. Well, then let's prove that it's a ruse and be done with it. Because I'm hoping it's not the latter. Regardless of whether we tell the chief enumerator the full claim they are making i feel like we do have a lot of information we can present to him okay the fact that their worship is much more reminiscent of erodin than it is of abadar abadar is mm. something the That's nature of the way they do things and how it very much appears like there is nothing magical going on, but can't help but make me think of effects, particularly healing the sick that way and calming the, that woman. I do think we should still try to speak with him. All right. They're certainly doing something. So 
After acquiring the Scroll of Sending and speaking with Martelli, your first goal for the day party is then to head to the Temple of Abadar in town? Yes. And then maybe we should go visit our friend who told us to come back and see her the following evening at sunset to tell she, her what we saw. She changed that decision several times. Well, I figured we'd just show up when we show up. <laughs> She'll either see us or she won't. So, uh... You guys head out into town then to go to the Church of Abadar and to meet up with the chief enumerator. And the Temple of Abadar in the town, although it is positioned in the low between the two grassy hills in the center of Yonmas, it is still easily the tallest building in the city. It is a huge monument to everything Joe hates about Avatar, pretty much. Uh, <laughs> so Avatar. Kind of, yeah, it's sort of a, an airy-style building made out of what had to be an entire quarry's worth of a gold-tinted stone, almost like a, a brighter, shinier sandstone, and peaked, and it has one round end and one hall leading off it, two flanked entrances coming off that, uh, that long hallway. You don't realize it at first, but as you walk around the building, you realize that the entire building is literally made in the shape of a giant key. And similarly, atop the dome, at the head of the key, is a massive key-shaped bell hanging in the church tower. It's actually fairly over the top, all things considered. So you make your way there, and as a temple of Abadar, of course it is more than open for you to just head into during the day of this random toil day there are no services or anything being held and as you head in it seems that during the off days the chief enumerator himself this works out super well for you guys is the one person who is just kind of uh taking care of things and maintaining the building and as you enter uh, there is a cleric outside watching the door who simply smiles and nods as you enters and says, the Father bless you, but doesn't really question, doesn't question why you're here or anything. The main hall of the building, uh, it seems to be much more of a religious temple than a temple of healing. Uh, the body of the key is just rows of pews uh, leading up to the altar and a uh, small stage in, uh, what's it called? There's a name for the frontal area. Of the vest vestibule? No, that that's uh, back. right to me? Okay, then the no. opposite of a vestibule. The vestibule's out back, so it's, it is the altar area. There's a word for this. It's, uh, it's in well, here Maybe I was right the first time. I just want to know. The nave. Apparently it's called the nave. The nave. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. So up where the uh, the nave and and there's two small, uh, like reflecting pools, up in what look like almost inactive fountains with statues of scales, uh, rising out of each. Windows around the building on all sides, and you can see that inside. This early in the morning, the only person here is the chief enumerator, who is currently enacting his morning prayers at the altar itself. So you enter, your footsteps echoing through this nearly completely empty building and you see the numerator palliator at the far end again head bowed in prayer 
Ew. I keep not being able to find it because it's a... Uh, it doesn't say enumerated on it anywhere. It has his actual name. So I guess we will sit and wait for him to finish? I'd wait a moment at least to see if... He acknowledges... anytime soon. Heard our footsteps approaching at least. And after about 30 seconds, he finishes his quiet, if not silent, prayer, rises to his feet, and turns around uh, to see who it is who has arrived. This is a group of you. Can't help but hide a brief grimace before he puts on a broad smile and bows his head. Ah. Eutropia's envoys. Welcome to the House of Abaddon. Were you seeking worship, or did you require healing of some kind? Not this trip. I'm sorry our conversation from before got ended so quickly, but we've actually just last night gone to one of the services of the Cult of the Twilight Child, and had some information for you we thought you might appreciate. Ralph furrows a bit again. Well, I uh, do appreciate you bringing whatever knowledge you have to my attention. I trust it was at the very least a pleasant experience. By all accounts that I've heard, I at least can give them that. They did... seem to keep everything very... pleasant. A lot of... furthering the community, helping each other, that sort of thing. I can see why people would say that they believe it comes off of the enumerator gasps as blood spurts out of his chest and a what man the... materializes behind him with a knife stuck through him and pulls it out quickly he's wearing a black hood and a dark cloak and he looks up at the group of you before can turning i lunge to at flee. him and try and tackle him Absolutely gonna do definitely some stuff here. If you think this is not initiative, then I'm, yeah. I'm gonna introduce you <laughs> to Pathfinder. I heard the slash and I looked, I'm like, what? What? Because I this thought is you'd hit something on accident. Certainly initiative. Alright. Oh boy. Get my token. That not. I'm on my. Why has it been doing that? Oops. That Where am I? That Try this again. Accident. Once more for the people in the back. Well, that's awful. Yeah, see, it, it was, did it for you too, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was 14 and now it's 10. Well, that sucks. <laughs> oh, well, I guess I'm going last. <laughs> so, uh, the group of you all immediately, obviously, move to try to stop this man as the chief enumerator 
collapses down to the floor. And as he does, a second slash rings out. As a second one appears, Rapier stuck through Baylor. <gasps> Baylor, you take. Oh, it's clicking sneak attack doesn't roll sneak attack, really? Okay. How many dice of sneak attack does he have, I guess? Okay. Have to do it manually. I thought it's a clicking sneak attack would roll sneak attack dice. I was wrong. Baylor, you take 24 damage. But it is your turn. You react first, probably because you were just stabbed. <laughs> it's understandable you would react very quickly to this. Uh, I'm going to stumble away from, you know, the guy doing the stabbing. And reach down and grasp my rod as I go to try and stop further stabbing. That's generally a good start, yeah. <laughs> Trying to prevent additional stabbing from happening. And the crackle of electricity is going to run through the air. Is this your new favorite spell now? Is this your, your thing? Mm -hmm. This is your, your new go-to. Just the blast of sheet lightning across I mean, the room. It's, it's a fairly good way to start. <laughs> it is actually a really good opener, especially with that rod you have. All right, so both take one damage, and they need DC 20 fortitude saves. So I'll make one and two. And both of the men appear to reel back in pain, almost like paralyzed like they're being tased by this blast. And, and I'm going to yell out, help themselves. the enumerator. Inori. Uh, would, would you have let me draw the sword when the first strike happened before initiative, or is it not drawn No, because it all kind of happened very quickly. You all, like, moved like you were going to, uh, like, go forward rather than run away, and the second guy struck. So to draw Siarn would be movement or if you stand? part of your movement as is part drawing. of your movement you can draw me like because because you, you're a, a distance and you got to walk up because these guys are both up in the nave and you're all kind of out spread uh, near the nave but in the pews. Okay, you can uh, draw Siarn as you move up for free. All right, uh, I'm going to move up to the first ninja boy here, and as movement, pulling the sword and. Um, with a swift action, her eyes will light up orange. A familiar icy texture coats over CR, and, and this time, instead of there being lightning as well, he sort of the end sort of extends a little bit and curves to make him a little bit more menacing, almost keenish. <laughs> Keen, you say? Interesting. Keen. Okay. Keen and ice. Um, and then with my action, I am going to attempt to spell strike shocking grasp 
Okay, so you did move, so you can only do one thing. So you're gonna buff your sword and then not. S oh, your spell strike. I, I got yeah. some magic. Yeah, combat is the whole yeah, okay. thing. So you can just spell strike. So you're putting it. You're putting this shocking grasp in your sword and then swinging the whole thing. Out. Correct. Okay, give me that attack roll. Oh, 17. And with a 17, as he sees all this energy flow through your sword. He twists back out of the way, Ooh. recovering from his strike on Baylor and turning to face you. And that's me. He can't do much more than that, it seems, as that's about all he can get as he's still kind of reeling from the blast of sheet lightning. He doesn't have the faculties to mount any sort of an offense immediately, but he does can have he... An, enough awareness to avoid your strikes. They can do that when they're dazzled? He's dazed, then yes. Oh. Dazed is just they lose their turn. He doesn't do anything to him uh. negatively. Dazed is kind of weird because yeah, it doesn't it doesn't make him any easier to hit at all. It's just they lose their turn. Like it's still really good because they lose their turn, but oh. there's and literally no penalty to AC whatsoever. Just two penal a negative penalty to their saving throws against the spell. Yeah, there's there's no penalty to their AC. There's they're not mm -hmm. even flat footed. They just don't get to act. So no. All right. These guys have some answers. I think I want to capture one of them alive. So okay. I'm going to quickly run around Baylor to get to the one that has stabbed the enumerator. And I'm going to attempt to grapple him. Okay. Well, he is going to take a swing at you with his rapier, as you do. As you move forward. Oh, wait, no, he's dazed. You can't even AOE you. Nope, he can't. Mm -hmm. definitely can't do that. So you can just walk up and try to grab him. While he's reeling from pain. Uh, the 26, you grab hold of him. So while he's recoiling from the sheet lightning, you don't even draw your sword or your nothing. shield. You just nothing. run just forward and, and hug him. this man. <laughs> <laughs> you do nothing now. Your turn is over. It is the turn of Nell. All right, Dara. Okay, uh, I'm going. Uh, I'm going to crouch down behind. I mean, I don't really have to move, I guess, but I'm gonna, uh, I guess, five foot step and crouch down behind one of the pews. Okay. And aim at the uh, other. So you don't one. have your crossbow out. Oh, you can pause five foot uh, step. But the five, can you draw this five foot step, or if you actually have to take a move action? I mean, that is movement. You are moving. That's what I'm asking. Is it movement or a move action? Because I think you have to do a move action to drive. I'm not positive. Baylor, real encyclopedia? I think it's actually a move action. I think you actually you have, have to, to take a move action. So, so you can, can you can five foot step and draw it as a move action and shoot once. You can do that. That's fine. Okay. Um, uh, okay. Well, I guess I could do that. If the other... Uh, yeah, I'll just do that and then shoot once. Okay. And I'll just shoot regular arrows. Take one shot with your crossbow at, I'm assuming, the guy that Nell is not currently giving the world's tightest hug. Yeah. And it's just a regular shot, right? Yeah, it's just one regular shot. It's okay. not with your rapid fire penalty or anything. Uh, although, with the knight's hand on the die, it is a crit threatened, so you might just put an arrow through this dude's head. Uh, so, confirm uh, that. <laughs> well, I was oh. Take him alive! Bam! <laughs> hey, at least it's not an actual gun. <laughs> Okay, yeah, this is not times a, four. 
This Fun effect. Pathfinder story for another day. Definitely my first attack roll in all of Pathfinder. One of my first PAX East Pathfinder demo. I was playing Larry Ann, the uh, gunslinger, and I wanted to try to kneecap him. And the GM's like, can't non lethally shoot a gun. But he's like, shoot, just roll it. And I could have just blew his brains out and killed him instantly. So <laughs> <laughs> that was actually my first attack roll in all Pathfinder. Anyway, roll the conversion. It went all downhill um, from there. It was all downhill from there. <laughs> okay, so I just rolled the same. Same attack roll, yep. Uh, with a 15, it does not confirm, but you okay, well, do still, yep, yeah, it's still a hit, so you still get regular damage. Okay, uh, there we go. You or... need, you are, you need <laughs> to play, the ones were for. you gotta play yeah. barbarians from now on, because you exclusively <laughs> yeah, roll really. maximum on damage, like that, you can't yeah, roll anything yeah. else to save your life. I guess you just crit threatened, so I can't say that. But you exclusively yeah. roll eights on your d8s for damage dice. Man takes 13 damage and recoils a bit from the hit. Still kind of trying to regain control from the lightning blast. Kahina. Raise my voice and start uh, telling the wonderful tale of how the heroes are here to save the day. And how the fiends that besmirch the Church of Abadar will not be allowed uh, to sully its great halls. These heathens. 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 Uh, and with that, we are going to. We can get. You got up in there, yeah. Here. So we are going to. Oh, wait! My my song's a swift action or an immediate action now, isn't it? The move action. Definitely never. Move action. Oh, it's a move action. It's, action. it's nine. Too. It's a. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Almost this. Swift is. Yeah. We're yeah, we're yeah. almost to, to songs being swift action. So you uh, rush up with an Orianel up into the nave to face these two mm -hmm. assassins, and Dara was the only one who did advance and took cover behind the pews. And at the top of the round here. It's other than the blast of lightning, there hasn't been a ton of sound from this really, because the, the new rider pretty much went down immediately, and these guys have been tased. So this has actually been relatively quiet. So no one, I was actually, no one's actually going to poke their head in there or anything, uh, because there are windows out facing the street, but it's not super clear what's going on because it's all happened so fast. So if anyone's noticed anything's happening in here, no one outside has reacted yet. Baylor. I guess the part singing, yeah, but that's not like that's well, not singing, but orating. You're just telling a story. But not enough time for anyone to react. Yeah, it's neither loud nor alarming. <laughs> a bunch of people outside probably feel like they have plus two of their attack and damage rolls, <laughs> and they're not sure why. <laughs> but the morale. <laughs> How mad am I at this guy for stabbing me? He did stab you pretty hard. You are a frail little elf wizard scholar, man, and that was more than half of your health. So, I mean, after that one rapier strike, Baylor is definitely clutching his side like he's staggered away. He couldn't take that twice for sure. I think I'm mad. He's mad. <laughs> I think I'm mad. He's mad. Uh-oh. What is... Uh -oh, I'm concerned. Going to reach into my spell component pouch. Pull out small bone, 
looks like maybe it's from a chicken or something. Oh no. Large crack running through it. Encant a spell. As I finish the spell, snap the bone to pieces. Oh no. Oh, this dude's life is ruined. Forever. Oh, he's gonna oh. hurt. Oh We're no! Doing this. Okay. And with a cast of bone shatter, this guy's bones literally is that explode noise part of it too? in his body. And oof, that's that's not a good time. I'll tell you what. He's gonna make a fortitude save, which he is going to fail. And he is going to take 20 damage. And be exhausted. And he is completely exhausted. Yeah, he's out this. of the fight. That dude is uh, regretting every choice he's made up to this point in his life. And then I'm going to retreat back some. <laughs> Move back to uh, towards the pews up next to Dara. <laughs> yeah, you're going to go hide in cover where the wizards live. <laughs> Inori. Yeah. Uh, yeah, she doesn't care that he still looks bad. She doesn't like assassins. Yeah, so, that guy at this point is is like exhausted and still he would have recovered from the lightning, but his bones just exploded in his body. <laughs> so he doesn't look he does not look well off at all, this man. Well, I did miss with my shock and grasp, so it's still kinda loaded in the sword. Yep, it absolutely is. So now with Kahina's sweet, sweet music to aid my my hand, I'm gonna try to discharge this weapon in this man's chest. And I wonder how that would work though. If I already have a spell loaded in, and I hit him and it discharges, do I? If can I still do another spell because it's spell yeah. combat? Yeah, after? you absolutely can. Okay. You can't oh, put a second spell on top of the first spell in your blade, but if you whack him and discharge it, you can absolutely spell cast that spell combat a second one. Okay. Just and do stuff to this I'm going to stab him in the chest. Where'd my dice go? There it is. Ah! Oh! <laughs> He's exhausted. Yeah, I mean, exhausted is minus 17? six to his dex, right? So six, is that with the plus two from it, myself? Yeah, so it's it's plus minus six to his dex. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So minus three to his AC. Yeah. So it's yeah. minus six to his dex. Then you will absolutely hit him Ooh. and blast this lightning through him. Oh, he's... And give me the damage. This is the sword, and then... Eight damage from the sword. A tent. A 5d6 in the shocking grasp. 66 total, because I have six on the ice. All right, 66 total. Another 18, 18 damage. Okie dokie. So this man's bones just exploded. And you <laughs> aim for his general torso, which no longer possesses bones really so there is no question of from any man on this earth if this man is dead or unconscious as your sword blasts lightning and physically just kind of ejects his body apart oh that's like a mortal combat fatality there. yeah this is this like man it. like, it. like <laughs> bone shatter into grossly overkill shocking grasp slash this man is like a level of dead that shouldn't be physically possible. <laughs> like, I don't think I could properly describe what happened to him and keep the stream PG-13. He is <laughs> just super dead. Just the most dead. 
He is just kind of a pile slash puddle on the floor at this point. Very much. Not even gonna cast anything after I just sort of five foot step over here and call it around. Move over around, covering the other side of the area. Should the one that Dell is currently hugging try to escape? And well, it's exactly what he's gonna do. After seeing his friend explode, he is definitely going to try to wiggle out of Nell's grasp here. And you are 23 CMD? Yes. He's gonna do it! He is going to twist and slide out of your grasp. And then he is going to. This guy's not exhausted or incapacitated anyway. This guy is going to try to literally like, flip over you and run past the other way. If I see him going to do that... Let's make the acrobatics check to ignore your... Elves. I'm going to immediate action, five-foot step. Okay, that works, because maybe he's just going to do regular acrobatics okay. check to ignore you. So Well, but when he goes to land, or him actually trying to get over Nell... That would would that not proc that my ten foot reach? That is the square that he's through. Yes, is that square that you would you would reach to? But he now has to make a second one here to continue getting past now, and he's moving at half speed here. He's trying to crazy ninja his way out of this. He's got two. He's got to do a third one to get out of the bad place here. Can you make three? Oh my god, he actually rolled a fourteen on all three of those. Okay, and then here. So that's 10, 20. Actually, he stops right here because he had a movement. Because he only has one movement. <laughs> right. Yeah, he rolled that last 14 for no reason. He's, he's going for the door. This guy's like, nah. He's uh, he's trying to leave. But now it is now your turn. And Wait. Don't what? I get a attack of opportunity? I have a 10-foot reach. He acrobatic yeah. through your square that you threatened. You do okay. not get an AO. Yeah. No, it is your turn. All right. I'm going to pick him up again. I'm assuming he's going to try to hit me. Uh, he's gonna do his best. You don't have your shield out. Maybe he can do it. What is your AC right now? Uh, without the shield, let me flip the switch and see. Uh, 24. Uh, you take seven damage. Huh. As he just kind of defensively jabs at you with the his knife, trying really hard to not get hugged, and then definitely gets hugged. So he's but a 29 on your grapple. You are high rolling the crap out of these grapple checks, and this guy is going all of nowhere. Dara. Oh, uh, I'm going to plant my feet and get back one health. Oh, okay. Move actions, you hold on to you stick your feet on the ground here and yell at your boots before it slowly start healing you. So you take seven damage, heal for one immediately. Dara. Uh, I'm going to run around, uh, run by Baylor and run right at the guy and try and uh, also grapple him? Or what you like... can do is uh, you're basically aiding him. So he's not going to okay, be yeah. double grappled, but you're going to increase what he has to roll to break out by two. So okay. you still have to make a grapple check, but you only have to beat 10 because he's already being grappled. It's, it's a regular aid another. And then, okay, it's just a combat maneuver? Yep, just combat maneuver. And then okay. he can't take it because he's grappled. So he can't try to stab you too. And yeah, with a 20. So you're just helping hold him down. So he has to not just beat an LCMD. He has to beat it too higher 
stick it out now. Alright. Like, hey, no, you're right here, too. You want to join the dog file? No. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> everybody. Hey! Yeah, Dara and Nell are holding this guy down right now. Okay. Um. <laughs> I mean, we're trying to obviously bring him down. So. Yeah. Um. Just flip the glaive instead of the stabby end, just with the regular end, and they've got a good hold on him. Just reach back and just smack him across the face. See if we can just knock him unconscious. Can you use the to five feet, or do you need to step back? Uh, yeah. I, can, I know you I can... said you were getting a feet for that. I don't know if you had it yet. Did you have a thing that let you five foot, use your glaive and five foot range to ten foot? I know that was something you wanted. Oh, not yet. No, uh, that was the thing I was talking to you about. Oh, but you can five foot step back and then just beat him with the yeah. back end of the and glaive. Then just... You can certainly do that. you got to get to ten feet away from him. Yeah. yeah. You can do that. And then... Right? Smack yeah. him. Alright, so swing at a that. minus four and plus two, so minus two total. Minus two. Assuming okay. you're still performing. I don't know if it's worth still performing. Yeah. Yeah. It's being literally done. Always performing until the <laughs> till the round's over. Um Alright. So let's see here, just a melee. Yep. Minus two. Yep. Uh, with an 18, you bop him. It's just regular damage. It's just non-lethal instead of lethal. Okay. You have a lap with your stick. You just use the back end of glaive and just whack him. <laughs> like the grandma with the cane and the back is in this guy. I spin held down. He takes nine non-lethal damage. Baylor. Alright, I'm going to scream out again. Kahina, get the enumerator. Not long to watch this guy die on the floor here. And then... You know, this man doesn't seem restrained enough. <laughs> Does he not? Wait, I have a whack noise. Where's my whack noise? I know I have a whack noise somewhere. Dang it, I don't ever know where it is. Gonna uh, pull up a glob of web. Add it into the fray. <laughs> ha! Whack! <laughs> you need a Spider-Man thwap. So you're gonna throw a web bolt at this guy. He's doing holding him down, and you're also gonna shoot a web bolt that's gonna physically glue him to the ground with magic spider webs. Well, good news, the thing he could probably do normally is a reflex save, but he is being grappled, so his reflex save is not as good as usual. Also, that's a three. So he's definitely, uh... <laughs> he is definitely webbed. To the ground as well. So you kind of just shoot a web bolt generally over this pile. I mean, you try to keep it <laughs> mostly over the guy you want to web, but he's sort of being dogpiled by Nell and Dara, so it is unavoidable that parts of them are also going to be webbed to this man slash the floor. But at this point, it is very... This dude is very, very stuck. <laughs> and uh, finding himself pretty much entirely and completely unable to move by now, he starts uh, calling out, All right! All right, please, I surrender! Don't kill me! Hanori. Um, yeah, I think they got this uh, under control at the point here. No field gold attempts this week? No. I, no, I mean, the enumerator is literally dying on the floor or dead. I'm going to try to 
head over to him and uh, try to pour a potion down his throat, if that would even have an effect. Uh, you could certainly do that. Uh, as you lean down, you can tell that the man is still breathing as you pull out a potion and try to put it to his mouth and yeah. pour it down. And roll me that heal. Cure light wounds, yeah, that's 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 me. As I, you know, I cr- I'm on a knee cradling him like a small child <laughs> as I force feed him this bottle. Drink your medicine. Drink it. D8 plus one. Didn't hear, I didn't Wait, hear you. Wait, try to try again. I didn't hear D8 plus one for the heal. D8 oh. plus one. Yeah, it's a cure light wounds potion. D8 plus, D8 plus one. It's a seven, so he gets eight health back. You can see the blood flow start to slow from where the knife had pierced through his back. It far from seals up completely, but it definitely starts to. The worst and the deepest parts of it start to pull together, and the blood doesn't mat his robe any further. Uh, You can tell that it does stabilize him. At the moment, he's still laying on the floor. And so this man, held down by two large men and a huge pile of weird spider webs, <laughs> is just pretty much in full begging for his life mode. Please! Uh, I give you my coin. I give you whatever you want. You healed the man. He's alive. Let me go. Uh, Nell, let me let him go. I am going to Let's proceed to slam him into the ground. Oof. Oh, that's a no then. Oh, oh that's Girl also stop. natural twenty. Okay, so thirty-eight. That's I'm, so high. <laughs> I'm going to just grab him, webs and all, rip the webs off of the ground, and just throw his glued with webs body onto the floor. And you are Hulk smashing him. Hulk right Hulk now. Him up. Yeah. <laughs> he is now this pinned. Man. pinned. <laughs> just. Slam, body slam him into the floor. And he is, uh, I'm just gonna guess, put a three on this because this man is going all of the nowhere in the history of the world. Dari, you don't really feel like you're contributing this anymore. <laughs> like, uh-huh. Yeah. Um, I'm going to, is there nobody else like church related? Like in the general vicinity? Is this the only room of the church? There was that- a cleric outside the door, but no one's popped in quite yet, but this has got kind of body slammy, so it may be poking his head in shortly. I may... He's got... This is basically under control. I feel like I'm gonna go get the church guy so that uh, he can at least see what's going on in case... You know. So I'm gonna run over to the door. Okay, so you're gonna double move out to the door and just try and get the cleric's attention. And as you get there to the door <laughs> that you come in from, the cleric is already... Curiously coming and poking his head in, he sees you crossbow in hand. Immediate concern intensifies <laughs> on this guy's face. Kahina. Uh I'm gonna start do the do the running uh hearing Baylor again, seeing Inori over there, just the running slide <laughs> across and just slide on over to the enumerator slide and then on my knees DMs. and then just hand to the chest. 
and just cure serious wounds straight into him. And you channel out your magic now for 2d8 plus 7. 2d8 plus 7. For what it matters with this individual here pinned down on the ground, yeah. I'm going to tie him up. And and I feel like gonna... we no longer require initiative. This man is going yeah. all of nowhere. Just tie him up with the web he's already in. No, I've got rope. He's already tied up. He can tie a rope around the webs. Holy crap, yeah. 20. That's a big heal. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> Live! if he ever wants to get out of those ropes, he has to be to 38. Yeah, this man... Uh... I mean, it's he actually, I think he might be able to do that as an escape artist, but he has more stopped trying at this point. He's no longer attempting to escape. Because at this point, he figures if he does manage to get out, you're just going to stab him. So, though he actually could or make that escape him. artist check, he does not want to be electrocuted, cut in half, or have his bones exploded. So he's, <laughs> he, is, he is not struggling anymore at this point. That has stopped. That is, that All is right. Stopped. I'm immediately going to standard procedure, turn around to the other one, and disarm him. I mean, that guy is super dead, but yeah, you, you go ahead and uh, take All the... of his equipment is getting shoved off in the corner. Away <laughs> take the the you gotta, like, pick bones off of it and stuff. <laughs> that that man him. no longer possesses a chest cavity. <laughs> so, Boom. I'm going he to has take a chest both. sleeve. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take both of their weapons and whatever scraps of things might be on the dead body and move them away from the two bodies. All right, so you take... I mean, they both under their cloaks are dressed up in studded leather armor. And each of them has a, a fairly well-made light crossbow and a quiver on their backs as well under the cloaks. Uh, one has a rapier, one has a dagger. Each of them have small satchels with a pair of potions, a tiny sticky grenade, and a coin purse. Let me see them potions. If, if one of them's a cure light wounds, I'm um, taking it. Uh, one of them's empty. They each would have drank one, so there's there's an empty potion on each of their things, and the Aww. other one is a potion of cure moderate wounds. So you would get two potions of cure moderate wounds off of them. I'm were taking the, one of those. <laughs> were the light crossbows masterwork? They are indeed masterwork. I think I'm out of potions on me. Do you and mind as, if I uh, take the other one? As you're doing this distributing procedure. The narrator oh, is alive, and he groans. In a, still in pain. He's kind of a—he's not an old man. Uh, he's again surprisingly young for his post, but he's not real young, and he's definitely a cleric. He's this is getting stabbed is not something he was raised to take particularly well. So uh, I feel that. <laughs> He's not feeling good, even with only... You're a little better at taking it than he was. Realistically, a minor amount of damage left on him. I don't know if I am. No, he's not. Baylor hates getting stabbed. <laughs> he looks up from the floor and sees, well, a skin pinata and a guy tied up with both magical webs and also rope. An exploded skin pinata. And a guy tied up with both magical webs and ropes and uh, their weapons and crossbows off near, uh, on a pew nearby. What? What happened? These men appeared and caught uh, caught you unawares. I'm glad we were here to stop them. Did you unmask this other one? Who is he? Is so she calling that, me back? I'm gonna pick him up by the ropes, 
throw him on the floor in front of everyone else. Throw him down, pick him up, throw him down again. And <laughs> Not then nice to this man. Rip off whatever face mask he might be wearing and give him a swift punch to the face. Start right, talking. Smack him. Make me an intimidate check, my friend. Nell him. And that is going to be a hot... Oh, 17. 17. <laughs> With a solid 17 <laughs> coming out of the uh, Nels the, uh, the day has been natural ones or 20s. There has been literally no middle ground. Although there's I am somewhat impressed by that. That would work. What? Yeah, there, there's actually a possibility that that still works. The man I mean... <laughs> shakes his head. Look, take me weapons, take me goods, take me coin, but you stopped me. There's nothing left, but there's nothing left for you to gain, please. Just bang, what do you work for? <laughs> it's Kahina's turn this time. She's going to stand and just stand up, just righteous anger. I was like, I don't think you heard my friend the first time. And it's not him you need to be concerned about. I want you to answer me. Who sent you here? You will tell me, or I will not be as kind as them. You won't live through it. Okay. 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 Just uh, pay. Hide for this. By whom? I don't know. It's cloaked and hooded. Uh, I met him in a tavern, a southern end of town, and the Grand Uncle. But it's an ASMR. All I can tell about him. I don't know doesn't sound good enough to me. I'm not a fan of the word either. That we were supposed to meet, it was going to contact us again when the job was done for payment. We don't even wait. have a drop site. Nothing. What about when no, the task dude, wait, 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 wait. Where were you supposed to meet him? He, he said he'd get a hold of us. Okay. Has we're he going seen to pretend, you on... No, we're, we're going to pretend this was successful. That's what yes. I'm saying too. Say you did the job correctly. What was no, the no, 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 no. This I don't, guy, doesn't he doesn't have to be that. there. I can go. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on this. I'm just trying to figure out what he was supposed to do if the job was done correctly. I, yeah. I don't know. He was. They were going to contact me again. They, they found me in the first place. I don't know if they plan on finding me in the tavern again or just whatever. But the man said he'd, he'd meet me back. Give me the other half of my payment. Uh, the gear I carry is what uh, what he gave us up front. The magic sword, the cloak, the armor. You said tavern. It, was that the, the grand uncle you said? Right. It's it, it's near the wash. Only a few blocks south of here. Right. Chief Enumerator, is there somewhere we can keep this man here in secret while we go and untangle this web of deceit that and, someone... Uh, at this point, the Numenor is kind of sat up, and that's about as far as it's gone. But he's still kind of hunched over, holding his chest. Uh, no, no, we have nothing but the prayer hall here. Well, can we? Uh, you can. You can clearly see the building is literally one room. It's yeah. just a, a row of pews. One and... long, awkwardly shaped room. Yeah, it's just so very, talking... very tall because it's like an eighty-foot tall building, but it's just kind of like a spire almost. A so monument to, to the enumerator. Um, can we pretend that they were successful here? Is is there a way that we can, just for today, 
have you absent or sorts. I... Spread a false rumor that they were successful and that we let them get away. I can try, but I don't I don't know how. I, I mean, my business runs the city. I manage the church. I'm on the Mercantile Council as a primary member. It, we won't, it of, won't take long. You need not be absent for more than... It like you know when they're going to even contact this man. I feel like they will contact him sooner rather than later because... This, this is a loose end. They would this is a loose him. end. They would come to kill him. He was never going to get paid. They would have murdered him, for sure. I... Okay. I... I can... Try. But... We can help you get out of here if need be, but we just, we need you to lay low for a day, maybe two. We could, uh, we could take him back to our apartment. He'd be safe there. I don't even know how I could walk the street, the streets home without, uh, without notice. Could we this, disguise how him? How far is home? Not far from here. I only live a block from the temple, but a disguise or a carriage, perhaps. Uh, Kahina, you have a way of disguising yourself, don't you? I do have a way of disguising myself. I don't know if I'm can help disguise him as someone else, not as himself. He doesn't I need can... to be someone else. He just needs to be not visibly identified. If, if we could mask him, uh, put a hood on him. I can uh, make him invisible a few minutes. That would work. Yeah, that would be perfect. That wouldn't take me much longer than that to get home. We can't hear you at all, Squid. Uh, it wouldn't take me longer than that to get home. That, that should do. But not to a carriage. Well, I'm not sure you should go to your home. Yes. Well, what is your if, plan? If he is presumed dead, it would be safer if we could... I have the. I have an idea. Where is the nearest say. inn to here? It's... Is it within a few minutes he's, walking distance? He's thinking... Uh, it's not much for inns and in, in church side. I suppose the your closest bet would be f f is the gilded baldachin, but you can't simply walk in there. No, no, uh, no one of us will walk in there. Nobody we can. You don't understand. Their security uh. and vetting is pristine. Probably northwest of here, the feather. About how far do you think that would be? Uh, it's right down the road. You can see it from the front door. It's the corner of the next block. I'm assuming that's closer than our apartment, then. Definitely. I'm closer than my own home, even. Okay. Well, then this is the best plan that we can come up About with. About 300 Let feet. Let one of us road, so. go procure you a room. Yeah. And then we will just come back here, turn you invisible, give you the key. One of us will be waiting there to receive you. Once you're in there and safe, We'll leave you there. We'll come and get you when everything's blown over. We'll pay for the room for, say, a week at worst. We'll come and check on you. But for now, we just need you to pretend you're dead. We need whoever this is to show themselves. Yeah, otherwise, you won't be safe. They'll come for you again. People like this, they always throw money at it until it goes away permanently. Can we... He looks kind of 
Sullen, obviously, realizing that this is probably accurate. And that they did it once, this isn't gonna... Yeah, like you said, it's not just gonna go away. Mm-hmm. We'll take care of this, but for now, we just, we have to hide you. Can we put your robes on a disintegrated body so they cannot tell it? That's what I would do. If we can make it look as if you were a visitor. I can. And he, yeah, I can he starts see. taking his, his, his outer robe off as his high priest the name writer gone. The chest of this man is destroyed well Sorry. enough already if we just mess up the face. Mm. Of course. Please take take my gown. And Good party here. There's, there's one this more is thing. for the sake of a very important church goer. And he points uh, back to the screen that's mounted up behind the altar that just kind of divides a little tiny area behind it for clerics to prepare things before they come out. Back there, there's a case. And he pulls out a tiny golden key. This should, should open it. <laughs> there's a dagger in there. It's enchanted. It may help you. I appreciate that. Uh, Baylor, if you would, please. And I'll uh, hand you the key. Magic is your forte. I'm right here. I've always been here. <laughs> I, no, I need you for the cloaks and the sword. So He's, you... This, this guy said they're magical. We need to check those out, see what they are. You cast the tech magic. I'm not even going to make you make rolls for any of these. Uh, they have a... So you got a plus one rapier and a plus one dagger. Both of their sets of armor are plus one studded leather, and they each wore plus two cloaks of resistance. Ooh. And he claims that all of those items were the down payment for the hit. Okay. That's um, a pretty good amount of money. I'm going to start stripping this guy naked one then. Them, one of them cloaks. <laughs> all right. Off with the clothes. Well, he's currently super... Wait, the guy, the prisoner? Or... Yeah. I mean, he's we're gonna super have to... tied up and webbed. He physically cannot get his, his gear off. Right well, now. we're going to have to untie him enough to take off his clothes. At this point, I think it's safer just to beat him unconscious. I mean, <laughs> we could do that too. Peace. So, fair enough. Not willing to take the risk that when you untie this guy, he runs away. You just grab your shield and... Whack him a couple times. Cool. <laughs> Not you unconscious. Like a skull fracture to me. Skull crashed in. I like. I don't like doing it, but he's he's too much of a risk. <laughs> Give him a couple good wax, and uh, <coughs> he only gets about an instant to protest before he's unconscious on the floor. <laughs> yeah, untie the ropes, cut through the webs, start stripping strip him naked. Of his armor, his cloak. You're like naked, naked. Well, just like the 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 uh, clothing, like. The cloak the, and the yeah. outer clothing. Yeah, the cloak, the, the outer armor. Clothing. So they would just the cloak, under, the hood, uh, the mask, his undershirt, all the... leather jerkin. And, and I can actually keep my chain shirt, my singing steel chain shirt, and disguise it to look like the uh, leather, studded leather they had. And I can put okay. the cloak on over it. Also, the coin purses have about 880, 888 nice. gold between the two of them. 988 Ooh. gold. Matt's hard. Just throw that in the party loot. Mm-hmm. Now, I've got I everything on quite well for this. my page for the moment, so I'll just add that as well. I mean, there is a party loot sheet, but 
Yeah. Well, I mean, for the sake of carrying it for the moment. Well, I mean, you if no one opposes that, I'd take one of them cloaks. Yeah, Baylor's been keeping yeah, I've been adding it all the to the party loot sheet. Party loot sheet. Bags for this. Never you mind, have the, the Abadar bank bags so you can put the coins in. Okay, so, so 988 to the party. You line. head up, and it only costs you a silver piece a night to get a room at the Fender. It's nice, but not crazy high end. It's just kind of near the north gate, north end of town, where a lot of visitors arrive. You arrange okay, a room. So I'll pay a gold just for 10 days, and I will make it very clear. I don't want anyone to bother me while I'm here. Very well. As you <laughs> wish, Lord. And I'll show you to your room. And he heads back up some stairs. Uh, it's all internal. You go in through a big open foyer, up some stairs, and there's a wing with a row of rooms down the side. And he unlocks one of the wooden plank doors and opens it up to a fairly nice suite with a, uh, a bed and a a chest and a wardrobe and a little side table with a chair and a sconce for a torch. And he heads in and as he lights the torch for you, if you're doing anything, uh, of course, let us know. But of course. Won't be bothered. He seems to grasp your intensity and is a little, all right, cool, then leaves. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't need an intimidate check to be intimidated. He wants nothing to do with it. For the rest of you. He's a retail worker. <laughs> <laughs> he does not care. Cast... Invisibility on the chief enumerator. Well, first, first I go back, tell them, all right, room's ready. I'm going to go wait in the room. Just walk in. Tell me you're there. I mean, Baylor could walk with him and act like he's just coming to see. That's what I figured you were doing. Yeah, the two of you guys could just walk back with the chief enumerator. Walk an invisible wounded dude. Well, if I buy, I also think it while he's doing this, I'm going to get some healing. Yeah, mm -hmm. if I you have been lightly stabbed, it's probably a good idea that I'm the one who comes in and out. I mean, at least however at you first. want to do it, it's not difficult for you to uh, get some hits on the wand for Baylor while you while he's setting that up, and uh, then for you to use one cast of invisibility, which you have you have an invisibility prepared. Yeah, so you cast invisibility on him and walk up and get him in the room without. Anybody seeming to notice. Kina, meanwhile, wants to use her sleeves many garments to look like one of the assassins, right? And um, uh, I've also got just disguise as well. And what do you want to do? What is your goal? You want the to goal to is to look bar? like this guy. To have my hood down and go to the bar where... You're going to head down... Mm -hmm. You know you're going to be bait for this. Like, I could, f I'll follow behind. Well, I you. would assume, I <laughs> assume, Anori, I'm not going alone, that at least Anori and possibly Dara are going to just like. Oh, yeah. We need to report this to the police. Oh, yeah. Somebody's got to go report it to the. Yeah. Well, I would imagine Dara has been you, keeping you, the clear. Baylor and Nell can handle the reporting, and Dara, Anori, and Kahina can go to the granduncle. And yeah, perfect just kind of wait. So you mm -hmm. get this black cloak over your whole body, uh, just like what he was wearing, a simple black mm -hmm. leather cloak that uh, hides almost all of you with the thing mm -hmm. up over your face. I'll, I'll take the Don't sword you, and the oh, daggers you, you Take too. the sword, okay. What are you doing with your glaive? Uh, passing it off to like um, no, Nell Dara okay, Nell, or Nell. Nell takes or the glaive and you take the man's uh, plus one rapier and mm -hmm. belt sheath 
and strapped on it as well. So you you pretty much at a glance look Is like the guy. Rapier, a martial weapon. Yes. yes. I, I, ah, I can use it. I think okay. bards. It's definitely not rapier. worse than a marshal. It's not higher than that for sure. So. I mean, the other option is a dagger, so you can definitely use that one. So whichever you want to take with you. Yeah. Well, t he they had them both. Uh, well, and one had crossbow. one, one had the other. Oh, uh, well, I'll oh. take. And they, the... they each had a crossbow. They each had one of the I'll... one of those two weapons and a crossbow. I'll take a crossbow. Well, I could I could take the dagger too and say yeah, my friend screw it. bit take it. All of it. Take the rapier and the dagger. You take one of the crossbows and crossbows. quivers. And just take all the all the stuff off of him and the overcloak and mm -hmm. sleeves and mini garments. The overcloak. Dress up like him and the three. You head down to the grand uncle. What was in the religious lockbox? A dagger, a magical and dagger, obviously. The lockbox was, it was like a little display case. And it was just a dagger. And that one I am going to need a spellcraft check on to see. Because that was well, all. Well, you would actually, more. you could bring that back to, if you bring it back with you, he'll explain what it is. Okay. Which is, it's, it's called Scofflaw's Mark. And it basically was used by uh, bounty hunters or guards to mark a target. And the magic only kicks in if you throw it. Uh, otherwise, it is simply a plus one dagger. But if you throw it and hit somebody with it, everybody gets a plus two to attack and damage on the person who got tagged for the next round. But that is a morale bonus. Is that what bardic so performance is? That yes. bardic performance is a competence. Com bonus. That's right. Morale and a saves competence on the attack. Good hope. If I cast good okay. hope, that's so it doesn't a morale stack. Bonus. It doesn't stack with good hope, but it does stack with bardic performance. Plus two only... morale bonus on melee attack and damage rolls right. against the mark's target. But it's that one's only one round. Good hope is multiple rounds, so we could start it with the dagger. Yeah, you can you can toss that like it can be someone's <laughs> sidearm that you can pull and toss. Like even Baylor could have it and just pull it out and toss it to not cast the spell because that's effectively if you hit him, it's him casting plus two to attack and damage for no mm -hmm. Anorian Kane if she whacks somebody, which isn't the worst thing ever. And he's got decent decks, but he does uh, entrust that to you. Uh, it's a weapon that's been kept in the temple's care for as long as you're dealing with this. So to my understanding, what we have now is a wizard and uh, a fighter hiding the chief enumerator out in an inn, faking his death, where a very exploded man whose face has now been mulched is uh, dressed up in his outer gowns and vestments. What did you do with the other guy? Yeah. You mean kibbles and bits? No, the unconscious. No, one. the knocked out guy. That's the loose end we still have here, I think. What's your plan for him? My my plan with him was to wrap him up and just take him to the hotel. <laughs> no, not to the hotel. We the could like apartment. super bind him up and put him behind the uh, put him behind the. the, the uh, we'd have to babysit him if we did that. I, I plan on just keeping a hold of him until this is done. Where? My, Are you staying in the chapel? Yeah. No, I, I was going to... Um, it's going to suck, but we need to get him into the room. Baylor, so, do you have another cast of invisibility? I do not. Oh, boy. Get me a sack. 
<laughs> All right, Santa Claus. You're just gonna drag this dude through the streets. Yeah, the I mean, he's got a lot of strength. He can easily. I have a hotel room right down the road. This dude. It's not I'm very conspicuous. I'm gonna be babysitter for the next like three days. So you use invisibility to get the chief enumerator to the hotel room. You use I don't know a sheet of burlap to wrap it around the unconscious guy and just lug him. Yeah. Good day at the market. Or we could (laughs) pretend he was really drunk and just bring it back. That's true. I honestly, but then you'd have to untie him and then retie him. It's a big mess. He's knocked out. I think it's a better idea we can just burn, for me burn to pretend it's luggage that I'm putting in my room. All right, oh, so you bring luggage. this unconscious guy around the sack into your luggage. room with the chief yeah. enumerator. Your luggage. He's like, oh, what? We're bringing him too? Yes, until this is done, we have to keep a hold of him. This man just tried to kill me. And he will face the proper authorities We're when the time far. comes. But for now, we have to keep him as out of sight as you, or else me going in his place will not work and not draw this this person out. I don't think you're here. We're at the oh, I, we'd already left? Oh, I think sorry. You two went no, if if this is me up. taking him to the hotel room. Oh, that's right. It's literally yeah. just the two of you. I'm it's sorry. It's just Nell and Baylor. Okay, so... so basically what you said, honestly. Like, that, <laughs> what she said, but <laughs> not literally what I would say is just he has to be just as hidden as you. There's no other way to make this work. So if I understand this correctly, where we're leaving off this particular evening is we have the attempted assassination on the chief enumerator hidden in a tavern with the unconscious guy who stabbed him and Dara and Inori hanging out at a very seedy, questionable bar that might be more at home in the Narrows and Apara with Kahina, who is currently disguised as said assassin, waiting for whoever hired them to make contact. What yeah. could go wrong? Nothing could possibly go wrong <laughs> with this plan. This is a great plan, and I love it. So... I guess that's... And we've left a mutilated corpse inside the room. No, because after dropping off the unconscious body... You left a horrifically exploded body inside the temple. Mm -hmm. I'm absolutely...